Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank. Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy, and uh, just updating our situation with the possible space invaders. No, no, I know there's no reason, no reason to fear aliens because they come in peace. That's what John Kirby more or less told us the other day. Uh, Yeah, how many uh, have been shot down since I've been gone? Four? uh, We heard from uh, SecDef Lloyd Austin again, along with uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman General Mark Milley yesterday about the recovery do we have any of the debris yet Uh, do you have anything to tell us about uh, all of these objects some as big as three buses some as small as a small car that have been shot down by our military here's what general milley had to say uh the the second one off the coast of alaska is uh that's up in uh in in some really really difficult terrain the arctic circle uh, with very very low temperatures in the minus 40s uh, the second one is in uh, the color in the uh, Canadian Rockies in Yukon. Very difficult to get that one. And the third one is in uh, uh, in Lake Huron. It, it probably a couple hundred feet depth. So uh, we'll get them eventually, but it's going to take some time to recover those. Yeah, but take your time. Whenever, yeah. whenever you get around to it, no big deal. Um, boy, I, is, since you're tracking uh, particularly the uh, es- the established Tricom spy balloon slash weather balloon, uh, not only through its uh, journey across the United States, but also, as we find out, from the very moment it was launched, since it lifted off from the south coast of China, according to what U.S. officials now concede, the spy balloon drifted east in the direction of Guam and Hawaii, then went north to Alaska, entered U.S. airspace on January 28th, but they were tracking it for a month since it lifted off from the south coast of China. So uh, given all that time, as you're... I don't know, sitting in front of screens watching it. Um, Good to know what the Pentagon's up to. And waiting, as you said, for it to clear uh, the airspace over land so that no debris would bring harm to anyone other than the fishies. Um, Why why didn't you just wait to shoot these things down until they were over terrain that was more easily recoverable? It seemed like you weren't very concerned about any of the espionage that was going on. Remember, we were told uh, we hardened the targets. We put up the shield so they couldn't look at uh, missile silos and the like. They couldn't get any of those pictures. So uh, why not just wait until it was over, um, you know, a space that nobody cares about, like Chicago, and (laughs) shoot it down there so you could just pick it up off Wacker Drive. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. 64636DA turnkey depro text line. I don't I mean I, who's in charge? 
And are they getting all these now? They're shooting all these uh, balloons down because they've been busted. They got caught by reporters in Montana who saw a balloon. Because how long has this been going on? Well, I mean, the the other thing that's... Who's asleep at the wheel? Well, the other thing is, you know, there's this, the, the again, just uh, supposition that these are all Chinese communist could objects. It could be Russian. Um, well, maybe. now there there's some indication that they don't confirm, and maybe they're even suspicious of the fact that they're not all emanating from China. Um, could be Russian in concert with China. We don't know. They're not telling us. They're able, as John Kirby was the other day, to distinguish the objects from one another, but they're not able to tell us anything more about origins. Sort of sounds like uh, our discussions about COVID for the last three years. There's no understanding of origins. Um, here, This was an interesting uh, video, interesting breakdown. There's a YouTuber named... Two Bit Da Vinci. He goes by. That's his handle. Okay. He's a he's a mechanical engineer named Rick Roy, and um, he does like a YouTube channel that's all science and engineering related. He mechanical engineering from Berkeley. He um, worked for uh, half a dozen years as an aerospace engineer for the Department of Defense. He worked for uh, big big tech companies in. Um, in, in I, I guess uh, you know development of their platforms, Salesforce and BlackBerry. So this is a so he's a reputable sm- guy, right? Yeah, smart guy knows what he's talking about in this space. Um, just some of what he had to say from a technical perspective, I thought was really interesting, educational for somebody that is not mechanically inclined uh, like myself. So I thought I'd share it. Uh, one of the things talking about the original spy balloon is uh, sort of calculating the payload. What are we talking about here? Calculate the payload, uh, um, make an assessment about the amount of power carrying that the the, the spy balloon was carrying and using, and then you sort of can start to make reasonable determinations about what it may have been up to. So first, just I know you were told there would be no engineering on this show, but there's going to be a little bit. Calculating payload. Why don't you call Peyton? I know. I was going to say calculating payload. Let's wake him up with that. Yeah. The reason this matters is that we can get an understanding of how much payload the Chinese balloon was carrying by looking at the shape and size and knowing how high it was. Because the balloon has a very strong spherical shape, we can assume that the balloon was at near maximum volume. Reports stated that the balloon was roughly 130 feet wide for a volume of approximately 1 million cubic feet. That's the volume of 11 Olympic swimming pools. Based on the buoyancy equation and using helium as a lifting gas, the balloon must have been carrying a payload of around 7,000 pounds. Quick fact for you. According to the U.S. regulations, weather balloons aren't allowed to carry more than 12 pounds of total payload weight. So why on earth do you need 7,000 pounds for a weather balloon? Well, the short answer is... You don't. Um, so, right. It's not, now we have, you know, just the... the um... Nice evidentiary backup here to what is obvious and what was stated. It's a weather balloon that drifted off course. Maybe it drifted off course, but not a weather balloon. 12 pounds is the limit. They had 7,000 pounds. Something else is going on here. The amount of power carrying and using? You don't. There's also the question of the amount of power it was carrying and using. Pictures show two solar panel arrays with a total of 16 panels. 
Your typical panel will produce 250 watts to 400 watts and weigh 30 to 40 pounds each, depending on the size. So that means the array alone probably weighs somewhere between 480 and 640 pounds and would peak at around 4 to 6.4 kilowatts of power, which is just an insane amount of power for a weather balloon. To be honest, it seems excessive even for a spy balloon. I mean, a typical surveillance synthetic aperture radar, or SAR, for imaging weighs only about 100 pounds, give or take, and consumes just 100 to 200 watts of power. So what other equipment was this thing carrying that needed at least 3,800 watts and weighed over 6,000 pounds? It's an interesting question to say the very least. Mm-hmm. And he has a theory about what that uh, Chinese balloon may have actually been doing and it wasn't necessarily spying or attempting to gain information about uh uh u.s defense systems or that could have or that could have been in addition to we'll get to that in a second but uh i thought this was really an interesting dissertation this next piece of his explanation talks about the utility of spy balloons balloons this is like uh we're going back in time here we, we use balloons now we have all this the state-of-the-art satellites and spy craft planes why are you using why would anybody use balloons well there's a reason why would the chinese use balloons to begin with aren't spy planes and spy satellites better contrary to satellites which just zip by and are very predictable balloons like the aerostar thunderhead system can loiter over a designated area almost indefinitely gathering much better images and intelligence data than any satellite or spy plane ever could balloons are also almost indetectable by radar and they don't have a significant heat signature and almost impossible to see at night and are very hard to spot even during the day because they fly in the stratosphere rather than the lower Earth orbit, balloons can take better images of the ground and they can detect low-power radio frequencies that could help them understand how different U.S. weapon systems communicate. This is invaluable intelligence data satellites can't pick up. Balloons are also dirt cheap. Compared to satellites and spy planes, they can be deployed much faster, too. But above all, one feature that I'd like to point out is just how hard they are to take down. In 1998, a pair of Canadian CF-18 fighter jets hit a rogue weather balloon with thousands of rounds near Newfoundland, and it just kept going. This is because a stratostat isn't like a party balloon that'll just pop the minute you poke it with a pin. Those pop because the helium pressure inside is way greater than the outside air, and the balloon is in tension and releases that pressure when popped. Weather balloons, on the other hand, are at the same pressure as the outside air. So if you poke a hole in them, it'll be like opening a small window in a closed hangar and waiting for all the air to escape. Combine that with the altitude they can reach, which is far above any jet could, and the humble old balloon is turning out to be a surprisingly formidable weapon. Truth is, we only managed to take this one down because it was at around 60,000 feet, well within the operating range of our F-22s. But if it was at 120,000 feet, for example, the F-22 might not be able to get high enough and shoot a missile high enough to reach it. Uh, it was really interesting. It didn't really appreciate the uh, spy advantages that balloons had over you know, other aircraft, and I thought that was a really illuminating dissertation there. Yeah, I had no there. idea. Yeah, the, um, and, and by the way, in terms of the, the difficulty in taking them down, you think that's really so easy, and and he speaks to the precision there. I don't need to repeat it. But it is worth noting that we, we apparently, according to the reporting, the first missile that was fired at the object uh, over Lake Huron over the weekend missed. So if anybody in um, 
like uh, e- Eastern Ontario has a U.S. missile. Could you please return it? Uh, okay, one more. Uh, getting to the the last piece of this uh, uh, this discussion from Rick Roy to Bit Da Vinci. Uh, his theory on what China's motivations were for this spy balloon, and perhaps if they are China or China Russia related, the other objects, um, the whole. Uh, uh, phalanx of balloons that we or objects that we have shot down in the last week. I do believe that the Chinese government was telling the truth when they said that the weather balloon blew off course due to unforeseen weather conditions. As you mentioned before, these kinds of balloons could potentially be susceptible to them. But I also think there's a whole lot more to the story. Personally, I think the Chinese have been charting and monitoring the Arctic. I know this may sound crazy at first, but hear me out. Unlike Antarctica, which has a landmass, the Arctic is just a floating shelf of ice, one that is thawing at an alarming rate. And while most climatologists see this as doom and gloom, it might just be the latest frontier for opportunistic nations around the world. One study by the U.S. Geological Survey states that 30% of the world's undiscovered gas and 13% of the undiscovered oil lies north of the Arctic Circle. Most of this was inaccessible before, but not anymore, as the ice keeps melting away. Also, there's a whole new push for new shipping routes across the Arctic, and while China doesn't have any claims to this land, they do have some ambitions. While countries like the U.S. and Russia have sovereignty 200 miles off their coast, that extends into the Arctic, the region beyond is considered a common heritage for all mankind. So it could have been an energy exploration mission, or it could have been a combo, combo energy exploration, plus while we're there, we might as well see what we can uh, obtain in terms of imaging of sensitive targets in the United States, uh, the, the missile silos and, and, uh, and such that yeah. have been discussed at length. But they also checked out the farmland and the infrastructure. I mean, you could see it all. Just, just it's you know the last piece of that. The the first part of what you heard is is all engineering. The last piece of it is speculation, but it's certainly a legitimate question to raise if we can ever get around to finding someone at the Pentagon who can answer questions and provide any insights to the American people. Or I guess we'll just have to rely on the theorizing of UC Berkeley engineers. Connect with Dan and Amy using the AM five sixty mobile app. Download it today at five sixty theanswer dot com slash mobile. Business owners, now's the time for your business to make the move to a locally owned business bank. Hi, Mike Gallagher here to let you know that you don't have to look far. Signature Bank was founded in Chicago with a simple mission to help companies like yours grow, succeed, and thrive. Their decisions are made locally by a terrific team that knows your name, cares about your business, and invests in your success. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. I'm a customer. As business owners, they knew that local family-owned businesses were not getting the help they needed or deserved. So, I invite you to reach out to my friends at Signature Bank today. Write the number down. Remember this phone number, Signature Bank, 773-467-5630. And learn all about this great bank, 773-467-5630. Or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560, The Answer. 
Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. East Palestine, Ohio, the site of this uh, Norfolk Southern train that derailed. It derailed with uh, hazardous material in tow. And there was a controlled release of the hazardous material. That was a decision that was made to ostensibly prevent uh something worse than what has occurred with the controlled release, which is some sort of explosion. Um, instead, you got a fire that's throwing off toxic fumes, massive fire. Does anybody trust the government after COVID, too, when they tell, when they tell residents, you know, it's going to be okay, trust us? Well, they're not trusting them because now their animals are ending up dying. Well, yeah, Much among more. other things, uh, ABC, the ABC affiliate uh, out uh, – East Palestine Way uh, reported on this the other day, including um, enlisting a hazardous materials expert named Sal Caggiano to uh, explain the implications of the controlled release, what's happening there. Um, this is uh, the backstory along with Caggiano, this hazardous materials expert's perspective. We now know three more chemicals that were on board the Norfolk Southern train that derailed here in East Palestine just over a week ago. And we're being told that some of those chemicals are dangerous. We basically nuked a town with chemicals so we could get a railroad open. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency sent a letter to Norfolk Southern stating that ethylene glycol monobutyl ether ethylexoacrylate and isobutylene were also in the rail cars that were derailed, breached, or on fire. Caggiano says ethylexoacrylate is especially worrisome. He says it's a carcinogen and contact with it can cause burning and irritation in the skin and eyes. Breathing it in can irritate the nose, throat, and cause coughing and shortness of breath. Isobutylene is also known to cause dizziness and drowsiness when inhaled. I was kind of surprised that when they quickly told the people they can go back home, but then said if they feel like they want their uh, their homes tested, uh, they can have them tested. I, I would have far rather they did all the testing. Caggiano says it's possible some of these chemicals could still be present in homes and on objects until you clean them thoroughly. Oh, there's a lot of what-ifs, and we're going to be looking at this thing 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the line and wondering, gee, cancer clusters could pop up, you know, well water could go bad. Caggiano recommends anyone who's in the East Palestine area get a health checkup. He says get a record of where your health stands now so that moving forward you have documentation of any possibly related effects to the train derailment. Hmm. Who wants to live there? <laughs> oh my also the government's response and the D.C. press corps coverage of all of the above, the derailment, the decision to do a controlled release of the chemicals that you just heard described um, and uh, the aftermath of suggesting go in, go, you know, it's safe to go back home. It's safe to drink the water. And if you're concerned that, that at that point you can call for testing. You know, what I used to ask officials, would, would you feel safe living here? Would you feel safe drinking the water? Well, that's Put them what... on the spot. Well, that's what uh, reporter asked Governor Mike DeWine at his briefing on oh, the topic good. yesterday. Here's that exchange. Governor, if you were to live in the area, would you feel comfortable moving back into your home? Look, look I, I think that I would be drinking the bottled water, um, and I would be 
continuing to uh, um, find out what the tests were showing as far as the air. Um, I would be alert and and concerned, but uh, I think I would probably be back in my house. How much okay. confidence does that inspire? Oh, I would drink the bottled water. I'd be oh uh, checking uh, air. the air testing, the results of air testing. But I'd uh, be back in my house because I don't want to cause a panic among residents in East Palestine and the surrounding area is basically what my read on what Governor DeWine had to say. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. You could also text us all morning long at 64636, type in DA, then a quick comment. I, I, hearing DeWine say that, I would move or stay with relatives if, if, if it's possible. A lot of people I know you can't just pick everything up and leave, but I, that instilled zero confidence in me. Well, also, again, the uh, other piece of this, the, the press reporting on this, what you have right now, the best reporting with the, maybe the exception of that ABC affiliate, the snippet we played with Sal Caggiano, the uh, hazardous materials expert, the reporting on this has been uh, – sort of sparse given this the potential scale of this disaster and all the implications of a controlled release. This is a government decision, a controlled release of hazardous chemicals. Uh, the So you've we've been relying significantly on sort of citizen journalists, Rebel News and other you know, guerrilla outfits out there to uh, talk to people and get a handle of what's happening and what they're seeing on the ground, for example. So I walked up to the cage, and this this is what I found. Amanda Brashears was going to feed her five hens and rooster this morning when she discovered them all lifeless, practically in the same position, with no signs of a predator entering their enclosure. I'm beyond upset and quite panicked because this, they may be just chickens, but they're family. Brashears says her chickens were alive and well yesterday. She believes the smell following the detonation of the train carrying chemicals that derailed in East Palestine is to blame for her bird's sudden death. My video camera footage shows my chickens were perfectly fine before they started this burn. And as soon as they started the burn, my chickens slowed down and they died. If it can do this to chickens in one night, imagine what it's going to do to us in 20 years. Imagine. Oh my I mean, I don't know. You see but these plumes of smoke just going into these neighborhoods. It's a question. Uh, it seems like a legitimate one when you have that sort of impact that quickly, if it has that impact on animals and, of course, the reports of fish dying in the waterways and so forth, then, you know, I mean, this is it's too serious to be a Simpsons episode, but, I mean, it's almost comical, the response from the government. For example, White House spokes being KJP on the topic. I do want to share about what EPA has been doing on the ground. Uh, they've been on the ground on site since February 4th. They are clearly closely monitoring the situation in East Palestine and our top uh, priority is of course health and the health and safety of the community uh, and uh, since February 4th EPA has been leading air quality testing and supporting Ohio EPA with surface and groundwater testing. Really? Is that right? Mm -hmm. What are the results? Sure. We didn't get that. What about the private wells besides the Ohio River? What else are you testing? Hmm. Yeah, the layers of EPA, mm -hmm. too. This is how, how is this for inspiring confidence, right? You need a state EPA. You need a federal EPA. You need some uh, some places have a local EPA, particularly big cities, right? And then something like this happens, and 
oh, they're on the ground. Well, of course they're on the ground. There's so many of them. How could they not be on the ground? But what are they doing? And what are the results? And what's the response? Well, here is some more uh, citizen journalism uh, of water testing going on. This is not a major media outlet reporting this. And I don't know if this is an EPA person or not. But here's some water testing that doesn't inspire any more confidence than Mike DeWine or KJP inspired. I've been carefully tagged. This is the Beaver Creek watershed uh, in regards to these Palestine train crash. This sample I'm looking at today is from By Road. This is probably within about two to three miles of the train crash. This is the closest water that I was able to gather outside of the containment zone. Here on the right side, we have Little Beaver Creek. This is upstream from Beaver Creek before North Fork joins in. So this will be my clean sample of what our water should be. If you take a look at these two containers side by side, you can already see that the one on the left here is not only misty, it has almost the appearance of like a chilled alcohol versus this one on the right that you can see entirely through that just looks like standard water and plastic. We already have some strips done, but I'm gonna go ahead and show you two more. I want to record this in a continuous video so that there is no questionable doubt. This is a new strip picked at random. Dirty water. We're going to put it in the contaminated water, shake it to make sure that we get all the air bubbles out. This strip will go on the left side with the rest of the contaminated strips. The nice thing is, is that those ones have been cooking, so we have plenty of time to wait to see the results. This is clean water from Beaver Creek. This is what should be in our waterway. This is what our fish should be swimming in. Same test. So now if you look at all of my results here, on the left side, we have the contaminated water in which you can see it is bleaching all of the color out of these squares, not so much actually changing what color they are versus the right side. Look at how picture perfect these strips look. You can see that there is obviously something in this water in large quantity that is being hidden. Just go back to taking a look at these two containers and you decide. The, um, you know, he does the, the two, the two clear containers and then he does like these colored pH strips. And yeah, it's, if you watch it, it's, um, there's a noticeable difference as he's describing and um, so, yeah, I would be with Mike DeWine and drinking bottled water, uh, but I'd be drinking bottled water about 150 miles from East Palestine. Well, the plume of pollution, they say, is, you know, is moving at one mile per hour and it's heading toward the Mississippi River near Huntington, West Virginia. And officials there ask people to uh, in the, in the, they're in the pl- plume's path to turn off their drinking water intakes as it floats by. Well, that sounds reassuring, doesn't it? J.D. Vance was on uh, Tucker the other night talking about uh, this and the response. We've had hundreds of train derailments after we spent over a trillion dollars on infrastructure in this country. So the fact that this isn't getting obviously better is a major indictment of the people spending the money and what they're spending the money on. Now, we know if you listen to Secretary Buttigieg today, 
that they are focused more on whether we have too many white men in construction jobs than he is on the fundamentals of his job, which is ensuring we have a viable transportation infrastructure in this country. And unfortunately, my constituents in East Palestine have been some of the main victims of the fact that we have failing infrastructure in our country, again, after spending tons of money in an effort to actually fix it. So the problem we have, Tucker, is that we are ruled by unserious people who are worried about fake problems instead of the real fact that our country is falling apart in some of the most important ways. You mentioned the Environmental Protection Agency. Of course, it says it right there. It should be focused on clean air, clean water. It's the thing that I'm most focused on for the people of East Palestine. But so often they're focused on environmental racism and other ridiculous things instead of fixing the problem that they are established to fix. And uh, here's what he's talking about, J.D. Vance, when it comes to unserious people like Mayor Peabot. To work with your contractors. Uh, to work with your community colleges on building a workforce that reflects the community. We have heard way too many stories from generations past of infrastructure where you got a, a neighborhood, often a neighborhood of color, that finally sees the project come to them, but everyone in the hard hats on that project looking like, uh, uh, you know, doing, doing the good-paying jobs don't look like they came from anywhere near the neighborhood. Right. You can build community wealth that will help close wealth gaps in this country if we can tear down those barriers. But that happens at the delivery level. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Are you kidding I'm, me? I'm surprised that he is so antagonistic to white construction worker because I know the white construction worker was his favorite uh, character in The Village People. <laughs> so I'm surprised. I'm, I'm that, like the Indian chief. Okay. Um, also, you know what? Uh, I, I, here's a, here's a um, proposal. Um, yes. Black construction workers come to East Palestine to uh, build railways that are safe. How about that? I don't think people care. No. Black construction workers, white construction workers, Asian, blah, 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 blah. I think they care if the railways that we spend all this money on, as Vance was talking about, and other infrastructure um, isn't up to snuff. And you have disasters like in Flint, Michigan, with the majority black community and the water supply there, or like in East Palestine, Ohio, with the majority white population. Uh, but he, but that's but but uh, Peabot perfectly exemplifies exactly what Vance is talking about: unserious people, navel gazers playing identitarian politics rather than doing their jobs and making sure that the American people get. The return on investment. This is why uh, the infrastructure, the magic word of spending on infrastructure, magic phrase, infrastructure, infrastructure, who could be against that? Roads and bridges and railways. Right. And then you have to look at actually who's doing it and what their priorities are. More worried about the racial composition of the workforce than they are the quality of the work product. Oh, John and Piatone, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Hey, John. In Chicago, let's follow the uh, teachers' union. Are any of these schools in the path of this chemical going to be in session? How many businesses are not going to be there? Why would you stay? And the comment earlier about unserious people, how about unqualified people? Well, that's all in East Palestine. Well, the schools in East Thanks, Palestine John. opened two days ago. Uh, so they're Jack. shut down from, for more than a week. Jack in Whiting, Indiana. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Uh, two comments here. One, I would have loved to sit on that meeting uh, 
with the big wigs that this who made the decision to blow this thing up with all different chemicals that are in such a close proximity. They're going to have a problem for years. Second, St. Louis, Michigan had an incident in 1975, a fertilizer plant um, got mixed in with a fire retardant, which was the same color. Okay. To this day, that environment is still screwed up. And there are signs on all the rivers, all the lakes, do not eat the fish. Hmm. There's a lot of people that have come down with cancers for generate second and third generations. It almost uh, it was like that movie with uh, Sandra Bullock in there. I can't think of the name there. But, uh, yeah, I would say there's a lot of incompetence going on there. Thank oh, you. you mean, you mean Aaron Brockovich with Julia Roberts? Maybe that's what he's referring to. Right, and it's always the big evil corporations, and sometimes it is, and a lot of times it's government. But there's no movies made about EPA screw-ups, are there? Neil and LaGrange, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Hey, good morning. Um, I was just reading an article somewhere. You know, you guys were just talking about how uh, they're worried about uh, manufactured problems and real things. Um, there, uh, Budishad or whatever, however you uh, pronounce his name, close enough. Uh, just yeah, they just uh, gave uh, some port authority, like a hundred million dollars or something like that, for port improvements. But the caveat was is they had to follow ESG uh, guidelines in order to get the money, <laughs> or they or or they or they didn't get the cash. Of course. That's Thanks for the call, Neil. I can't wait to see how John Podesta distributes $300 billion worth of uh, uh, clean energy uh, products, green energy, uh, I mean, pro, um, you know, spend for green energy, clean energy um, uh, initiatives, right? Is it going to be consistent with uh, PBUT's worry about uh, the composition of the workforce building solar farms and wind farms and so on and so forth? I mean, it's just, you know, I, I, one of these days, uh, and we talked about this a bit yesterday with Charles Thomas. One of these days, somebody's going to come along that can unite the people of East Palestine yeah. and the people of Flint, Michigan, against the central planners, against the ruling class. And, boy, we're going to have a renaissance in this country when somebody comes along or somebody's come along that can bring populations together that stop worrying about race and start uh, worrying more about the quality of their representation, focusing more on what they're actually getting and who's providing what and who's a real threat to their quality of life. Someday, that's the hope. Connect with Dan and Amy using the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. Hey, business owners, is your business and money in good hands? Does your bank invest in your success? Hi, Mike Gallagher here, letting you know that when you need a relationship bank, Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. I love these guys. Not only do they have expansive industry experience, a strong financial track record, but they're also highly capitalized for strategic growth. That's so important. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. They know what it means to grow a business by designing solutions that are right for you and only you. These are real people. They're ready to help. So reach out to my friends at Signature Bank. Make the call today, 773-467-5630, 773-467-5630, or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Your business could be Signature Bank's next success story. Go online, SignatureBank.Bank, member FDIC, Equal housing lender. Signature Bank. 
This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. We left off uh, last hour talking about unserious people, the unserious people in charge of the federal government, in charge of so many state and local governments that get unserious and even worse, dangerous in many instances, responses to real crises like the one in East Palestine, Ohio at present. Well, where do they come from? Well, they come from our schools. <laughs> That's where they come from. What do you mean? Where do you think they come from? Who are these people? Uh, they didn't uh, come over here in a Chinese spy balloon. We produce them, and then we elect them. Schools, you know, because there's a school board election April fourth. Mm-hmm. I know everybody, including in the suburbs, wants to talk about the Chicago mayor's race, and it's legitimate. It has an impact on the suburbs. You don't need to live in Chicago to be impacted by Chicago. Chicago has an impact on the state, the region. So it's a worthy conversation. So is what happens at your local school district, on your local school board, as we've been beating that drum ever loudly during COVID and into 2023. Oak Park River Forest. What happened to that school? Oh, my kids are all the time. There's fights all the time on TikTok or Snapchat that they see on a weekly basis at that place. Oak Park River Forest, we, uh, this was the it's subject fine. of uh, America to Me documentary. Right. This was, uh, you know, held up as an example of uh, enlightenment. I mean, Oak Park and River Forest, we're talking about wealthy honkies uh, who are um, doing their best to shoulder their honky burden and uh, have an integrated school at Oak Park River Forest. It's going wonderfully under yeah. their uh, race focused, identity-focused curriculum, right? Yeah, they had a, an assembly where it was blacks only, remember? They were uh, way ahead of that. the learning curve when it came to new segregation. Congratulations. And so how is that going? Well, it's not just uh, what your kids see on TikTok. It's become so pronounced at Oak Park River Forest, the violence, that even a local Chicago affiliate, CBS affiliate, had to... Report on it, actually? Wow. Take mind. Here's that story. We've blurred the video, as those involved are minors. Oak Park police say a female security guard filed a police report after she was injured while breaking up this fight between two students at Oak Park and River Forest High School. She injured her left arm and had cuts to her head. Sources tell us teachers and security guards were trying to break it up. Police told us the injured guard wants the students charged with a crime. No charges have been filed at this time. The CBS2 investigators learned there was a fight earlier in the week and a male security guard was injured. This is video of a third fight. Sources telling us this one happened in December. The fights aren't the only problems administrators are dealing with at the school. On May 3rd of last year, OPRF was in the headlines after a student brought a gun to school. What, uh, oh, it's, it's, things are going swimmingly. Security guards at OPRF, what are you talking about? No, they, I, oh, I, I thought we're trying to end the school-to-prison pipeline. 
how could OPRF, enlightened as they are, how could they have the man in their school? The uh, expression of white supremacy, you know, security, police, yeah. or even security. What are they doing there? That they, can't be. Can you imagine if they didn't have security guards at OPF? O- OPRF, uh, I, I, I don't care. What, the most important thing is their ideology, and they're not acting consistent with who they say they are. Act in accordance with your thinking. Get rid of those security guards, and then security guards won't be injured. That's my understanding of the philosophy. So practice it, right? And all those OPRF parents, similarly enlightened, would applaud it, wouldn't you? The wonderful school board members there, the uh, village elders in River Forest and Oak Park, strap on your Birkenstocks and live your values. (laughs) By the way, in response to these fights... At OPRF, well, the wall of silence goes up. We reached out to school administrators for a comment about the fights captured on video. We wanted to know what action, if any, was taken against the students. What is the plan, and are there going to be more security guards hired? We haven't heard back. And you're not not going to. (laughs) Better not be more security guards. Fewer security guards. What is that, a military camp with security guards? What's going on at OPRF? I can... Uh, I'll bet you, um, well, I know because it's state law, but I, they would do it voluntarily. I bet you there's tampons in the boys' room. Probably are. I could find out. I bet you. The people inside the walls. I bet you they're, um, if they haven't already, they're in process of removing the urinals in the boys' room. Because. Um, what? Well, I mean, like New Hampshire. What's happening in New Hampshire? In New Hampshire, they removed the urinals from the boys' bathroom. Right, because you want to make them gender neutral. Yeah, right. Where are you guys supposed to go? Don't I don't want to share stalls anymore. I did that one time. It was very uncomfortable. Women need to be able to use the boys' bathroom. Girls need to be able to use the boys' bathroom, and they don't want to feel uncomfortable if you know all their parts aren't set yet. So, of course, of course, I mean, I, as I it's said so before, gross. I mean, a, another way to do it is just uh, uh, no penises allowed in school. Just you but know, what if a girl wants a penis, Dan? Go to root causes here. Yeah. Well, she can then you know, pee sitting down like Larry David. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting. This uh, OPRF story reminded me what? of uh, this couple, couple of teachers. Oak Park. That were interviewed by Eli Steele, our friend Eli Steele, the documentarian, Shelby Steele's son. Oh, yeah. A couple of years ago, he did this piece. Interracial couple of CPS teachers who live in Oak Park. So, oh, you know, they they've been on the program for a long time. Mm-hmm. And now, well, as of June of 2021, they were off the program. Huh. Well, don't hear from me, hear from them. Um, our school that our kids go to, there's a lot of questions coming from the community about why not more black students are on grade level, but I think we are looking to um, explain it away using racial, uh, using critical race theory. So instead of us actually digging deep and looking into um, all the nuances 
that are involved with uh, school achievement. We have, we've watered it down, we've dumbed down the reason now to, it's because the system is racist. And I asked one of the um, district coordinators for diversity, what are we taking away in order to teach this social justice? She's like, oh, it's not taken away from anything. And I'm saying, well, unless we're extending the school day, this is taking minutes from something. Is it taken away from math or English? They have like a regular, you know, standard math class that they offer at the middle school. And like, a, you know, an advanced math class and then like the honors level math class. They got rid of the, you know, the level in between because there weren't enough kids of color in those classes. And so they just said, you know, instead of us trying to support students so that we can have more students of color in that class. So yes, we eliminated the disparity by eliminating the class. Like, that's not how we get rid of disparities. Sure it is. And I'll tell you what, you need to go one further in CPS and frankly, a lot of schools around Illinois eliminate math class altogether. As we talked about with Ted Dabrowski yesterday, 53 schools in Illinois yeah. dominated by the city of Chicago. Zero kids in those schools, not zero percentage mm-hmm. even, right? Like less than 1%. Zero kids, not a single kid reads at grade level. 80 plus schools in Illinois, not a single kid in the school is at grade level in math. Overall, uh, nearly a, a, qu- a quarter of the schools in the state and a quarter and, and a fifth of the schools in the state, respectively, for reading and math, fewer than one in 10 kids are reading or doing math at grade level. Quarter for reading, uh, a fifth for math. So now you're talking about not just a, a handful of schools relative to the overall amount of 3,400 schools, you're talking about hundreds of schools, tens of thousands of kids. So just eliminate math because the one in 10 that are getting it done, they're going to get it done regardless because of their parents, clearly, or their innate aptitude. I don't know which, some combination of the two, perhaps. But I mean, it has apparently has nothing to do with instruction because exactly what that CPS teacher said two years ago. And you think things have changed? No, they've been doubling down in the intervening two years. We believe that it hurts our black and brown community the most. That the message is, you're a victim. You can never make it until we tear down all these systems and structures. And we know the history that black people overcame slavery and reconstruction and Jim Crow. And even during those times, there were black people who were successful and all of a sudden black people cannot succeed. When I hear the ideas of critical race theory, they don't remind me of my experience here in Chicago at all. They don't remind me of myself. Born and raised on the west side of Chicago, you did see the neighborhood decline. You seen people move out or like people didn't take care of their homes in our neighborhood as much. And so you could definitely see more people around outside, more people on drugs. My parents were the hardest working people I, I had known. 
And so that's all I knew. I've never had anyone tell me that I can't do something because I'm black. Went to college, went to Malcolm X. I met a really phenomenal math teacher, Dr. Williams. He was into math as well as like building character and, and like helping to develop good people. And thank goodness, but he, he changed the course of my life. I transferred to DePaul. Education is what got me to where I am here today. It wasn't activism. Education, not activism. Wow. I assume in the intervening two years after they did this interview for Eli Steele, they were run out of town on a rail with that for those, that, those kind of heresies that you've heard from them. To a biracial couple of CPS teachers living in Oak Park. This is what they see. Not, you know, white supremacist Dan ranting on the radio. Nope. But don't believe it. Keep listening to Ralph Martiri and all of those latte leftists in Oak Park and River Forest to your kid's detriment intellectually, physically. I mean, it's astounding astounding how these problems not just persist but continue to metastasize the cancer spreads and nobody wants to apply any of the remedies the this uh, lovely couple on the irony of oak park <laughs> ironies abound when i moved here i thought that people would just judge me because of me and it is really ironic that this community a community that's opened us with, with open arms is now saying that my skin color prevents me from living my full capacity. When in no way, shape or form is that true about us. And so it, it's been bizarre to hear people think so poorly of black people after more or less making sure that the the community we live in is a community for all not just for white people mm -hmm. yeah uh, it's uh, it's fun when the scales fall from the eyes and you see these rich honkies in places like oak park for the virulent racists that they are for the ignoramuses that they are it's fun it's fun to just bear witness to uh individuals like that uh cps teacher coming to terms with reality tony and roselle you're on chicago's morning answer good morning thank you boy having listened to her speak i, I realized the soft racism of lowered expectations is, is a, a true thing i wanted to make a comment that my son's in college at isu and he's taking a required math course for his freshman year and he took ap statistics in his senior year up here in roselle and I asked him what his new class was because I'm concerned. Is it calculus? Is it going to be, you know, he skipped calculus. He avoided it like the plague. No, it's pretty much the same math that I had in eighth grade in freshman year. Like, you know, basic math. Yeah. I'm like, that's, that's, oh, we're Long paying a college course for this because it's a requirement. It's, it's a, oh, and here's another thing. Long division. The whole course is done. Yeah. Yeah. Basic math. But the teacher said, I'm not telling you not to come to class, but all the notes and everything are going to be on the internet. So basically he doesn't go to class on Monday mornings. He just, goes on the internet, reads the notes, does his homework, and, and it's just like a no-show thing. It's, it's, and I'm paying 25000 a year for this. Just Thanks. make sure the check clears. That's the important thing, Tony. Yeah, That's thanks. the important thing.
Thanks for the call. ISU, I screwed up. Hey. Uh, oh, hey, hey, no, of course Ouch. not. Ouch, no, I've never a, heard that before. It's a wonderful teacher's <laughs> college, isn't it? Isn't that the reputation? Be, yes, it's a, yes. You want to go you into sound, education, you want to go to ISU. Right, and and now you want to, you want to again wonder aloud where these things come from, these statistics about CPS and about K-12 through education in Illinois generally. How does this happen? Gee, golly, I don't know. The the teachers in training at ISU are learning their multiplication tables as freshmen. That's pretty bad. Bill on the north side. Jeez. Hey, Bill. Hey, am I? Bill? Bill? Yeah, go ahead, Bill. Oh, yes. Uh, I just want to uh, – I haven't slept for uh, probably three days now because I'm so upset about what's happening. Um, Marxism is absolutely taking over our country. Uh, and, and Marxism is Satan. And uh, it's uh, the removal of God. Uh, it's removal of, of, of family. Uh, and it's just uh, makes me do, uh, horribly disgusted. Um, and I'm so blessed to have you guys in my life. I love well, Bill, take care of yourself and get some sleep, okay? Yeah, you get some sleep. Yep. Thanks, thanks for the call, Bill. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. Connect with Dan and Amy using the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. Time now for another reason why Dan Puff is single. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. So the Daily Show, yeah, that's still on the air, not for long. It's in its death throes. They finally threw out the cosmically unfunny Trevor Noah. Oh, that's right. They've had guests, guest hosts that Uh, have not been particularly entertaining. Well, no, because they're just sort of leftists who became popular because they were leftists and I don't know. Um, the, network, the networks the networks pay for these people regardless of whether they have an audience or not. It's it's an interesting thing. I guess it's good to be a leftist in Hollywood. Chelsea Handler is one such person. Oh boy. She's allegedly a comedian. I've never found that. I've never found any evidence to support that claim. But she uh, guest hosted on one of these final nights of The Daily Show. And she put together a little video because she's a late 40s single childless woman. And uh, that's something to celebrate. This is a day in the life of a childless woman. I wake up at 6 a.m. I remember that I have no kids to take to school, so I take an edible, masturbate, and go back to sleep. I wake up at 12.30 p.m. and get ready for a busy day of doing whatever the f*** I feel like. I put on my most impractical and stylish shoes since I won't be chasing a child around the grocery store. I go to my fave spot in Paris to grab a croissant. I do a meditation sesh on the plane since I have no screaming kids, allowing me all the time in the world to become enlightened. The weightlessness of my existence has granted me superhuman powers. I teleport myself back home. Then I get ready for a night out with whatever hot guy I met on Raya that morning. I call up a babysitter and tell her that I don't need her since I still don't have kids. Now it's time for a workout, so I hit Mount Everest for a quick climb. I invent a time machine, go back in time, and kill Hitler. Freeze, you bastard! It's amazing what you can do when you have this much free time. 
And that's a day in the life of a childless woman. It's just too bad she didn't have any time in that day to write comedy. But, um, you know, there is a point to this effort at comedy, isn't there? 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line, 64636-DA, turnkey.pro text line. Is she trying to be funny? I mean, I'm watching the video now, too. This is not comedy. That's how far away she is from funny. You can't even discern whether she's attempting humor or not. Uh, But she's really upset about being childless. I mean, she's uh, well, she's, you know, coping with it by celebrating it. She's coping with disappointment by celebrating it. That's my armchair psychoanalysis. Mm -hmm. Now, um, this is not just to get this out of the way. Yeah, because of the sensitivities of the world today, this is not some indictment of women or couples, you know, married couples that don't have kids and so on and so forth. This is a, a larger cultural conversation. So, you know, if you're an exception to the rule of a couple that gets married, and doesn't have kids, this is not castigating you. This is not you must do this. You, just, no, so can, I understand. We, we all have we just, my friends yeah. that are married that don't have children. And just dispense, and so dispense with that and just let's focus on center cut here and what Chelsea Handler's attitude reflects in terms of dominant culture. That's the question. What do you think it does? 312-642-5600 is our turnkey.pro answer line. You can also text us at 64636, type in DA, then a quick comment. I think if young women see that what she put together for the Daily Show, and then she tweeted it out and put it on Instagram. You know, maybe they don't want to have kids. Like, oh, I can be like Chelsea Handler, and I I could be cool, too. I don't have to have kids. Uh, Dr. Mark McDonald, he's a uh, psychologist, Mm -hmm. uh, wrote this piece. We referenced it uh, the other week when Scott McKay was on. Oh, it, it bears a revisiting. His piece is uh, How American Women Are Undateable. I uh, tend to concur. The uh, typical American woman today projects limitless entitlement, ruthless competitiveness, and advanced emotional incontinence that makes it all but impossible for a man to tolerate her, much less enjoy her company. I believe the root cause of this problem in American women is environmental. It is a problem of bad values. Women in this country have been taught that looks don't matter, that career is more important than family, that men are either dangerous or weak and incapable, and that the world would be a better place if only women were in charge. Everything they're taught is wrong. Everything they're taught is a lie. And the fault lies with schools, media, feminism, parents. These instructions in individuals have corrupted their minds, to wit, Chelsea Handler, their emotions and their characters. They have trained women to live in a fantasy world of us versus them, where the me is more important than the we, where one's feelings dictate truth and goodness and even virtue itself. These toxic teachings have rendered women developmentally arrested and incapable of adult partnerships with men. Now, uh, to be fair, Dr. McDonald also has some criticisms of men, but I'm going to ignore them for the purpose of this argument because I want to focus on women. Okay. Um, and do he that goes in the on. Next hour. <laughs> yeah, right. He goes on to 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 add the tragedy harms not only men but women. Men need women, but so do women need men. Despite what feminism has taught, American men today have largely decided they would simply rather be alone than continue to feel battered and exhausted by an unending stream of bad dates with unpleasant women. With unpleasant women, no healthy person wants to play with the porcupine. Boy, it's like he's reading my mind. <laughs> 
Uh huh. And um, and this just to be gratuitous. Yes. Just to be punitive on the topic, uh, Dr. Mark McDonald, the psychiatrist. I think I said psychologist. He's a psychiatrist. <laughs> One of the greatest riffs in the history of mankind. Emphasis on man. American women today suffer from a combination of emotional and characterologic pathology that renders them unfit to be romantic partners to men. On the emotional side, they're angry, anxious, and dysregulated. Men find them exhausting and not at all fun to be around. In addition to their unpleasant emotions, men must also contend with their toxic personality traits, narcissism, ingratitude, and an overbearing and judgmental attitude that appears to be constant. American women approach dating as a fact and fault-finding mission. Oh, boy. Uh, stuck the landing, fault-finding mission, with a degree of arrogance that can only come from a profound absence of self-awareness. They have no idea what their role is in the encounter or how to properly support the man who is leading the date. They act as saboteurs rather than facilitators. Most men have tired of this. Can I get an amen? 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. 64636DA, turnkey.pro text line. Amy, I, I didn't hear an amen from the choir. No, I mean, it's a lot to process there, yeah. Dan. Maybe this yeah. is why you're single. <laughs> it could be. It could be because I'm uh, almost getting emotional reading the prose right, of the pros. Dr. McDonald. Uh-huh. I want to read the pro. Well, I want to read the, the men's version. Is it in that same article? Well, he he well, he wrote a, he wrote a book about it okay. actually called uh, United States of Fear, and he the the top uh, the top line is masculinity is in decline in the West, and without it, dating can't be successful. That's strength, very courage, true. mastery, honor the essential traits of masculinity, and few men display those traits today. Yet, equally they few marry women dis- women who suppress them. Yet, and equally open. few women display the essential traits of femininity. So, you know, it's a total mess is uh, the upshot, but it's mostly women's fault. That's what I've noticed is that women need to let their men be men. Let them do the heavy lifting because a lot of them want to do it, but they're afraid to get yelled at by their overbearing wives. Fault, an endless fault-finding mission. Dating, an endless fault-finding mission. You'd like that. Does that does that ring true for anybody other than me? Tony, South Side, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Amy Lamb. Listen, Amy, I got to correct you on something. You said that little girls want to grow up to be like Chelsea Handler because she's cool. Someone, yeah. Not all, I'm sure. No little girl, no, no little girl wants to be like Chelsea Handler. Number two, she is not cool. I still like you, though. (laughs) Have a good one. Thanks for the call, Tony. Thanks, Tony. Well, yeah, no, she's she's actually uh, sad and pathetic, and she's just masking. Right. With this feeble attempt at comedy. I mean, that's just uh, her way of, you know, she's rationalizing rationalizing a place she doesn't want to be in. Right. That's what I think. But she's but had a string of relationships that have been disastrous. So but imagine. Imagine. <laughs> I know this might be hard to believe, Dan, but she and 50 cents did not work out. She needs a. Uh, she was mad that he voted for Trump. She needs an intense session or year of sessions with Dr. Mark McDonald, I think. Uh, George, Will County. Good morning, Dan and Amy. This is nothing more than another layer of it, the left's continuation to control population, control the mindsets. I'm hearing that Governor No Neck now even wants to start getting at our children at three and four now, and they want to make home visits to teach them, to normalize this type of attitude, to make it more acceptable. And this is the only way they can do it. Now, this is all for us. It's not for them. 
because when they get ready to have their children or create their family, they want to be able to do it, even going overseas and adopting other children to bring back over here. So wake up, America. You're stupid right now and realize that these folks only want to have more control, eliminate the population of those that they believe are inferior. Thanks for the call, George. Tom, Blue Island. Oh, I lost you there. Damn. Tom? Tom? I'm Tom? here. Oh, okay, go ahead, Tom. I'm no. here, Dan. Dan, uh, Amy, hi. hi. Dan, I give you a quadruple a amen. What, uh, a date being a, fa- a fault-finding mission. Oh, my God. Dan, so maybe just change the segment to why Dan, not why Dan Proft is single, why Dan Proft is going to stay single. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Why Dan Prof stays single? Yeah. 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 I could that, voice it for you. It has jingle. a nice ring to it. St. Joe, uh, Jim in St. Joe, Michigan, that is. Good morning, Dan and Amy. Enjoy your show all the time. Hey, I just want to comment on that article. I think there's a lot of truth there. And, and if you notice, I don't watch TV much anymore, but you can't see certain commercials like a man going to uh, the hardware store to buy something with his wife where the wife knows more than the man. And on a, on a lot of issues, it just seems like men have been demasculated, you know, and, and I guess it's our fault. So thank well, that's, you. Yeah, thanks for the question. Yeah, that's, every, every man in a sitcom is, uh, uh, is, is okay. Jim Belushi and According to Jim uh, is a doofus. Right. You know. It's, it's, Aloof. Yeah, yeah, shiftless, aloof, uh, or yeah, or like uh, um, what's the guy's name? Improvement to Malin, he was not. What's the guy? Yeah, that that's the exception. That's there. There are exceptions, but I mean, by and large, that's been the cultural direction for some time. Or the that uh, that guy. Um, uh, Which one? In Modern Family, not uh, Ed O'Neill and Sofia Vergara, but uh, Ed O'Neill's daughter oh, right. and the guy and the guy she's married to. What's his name? Yeah, Phil. Phil. Yeah, yeah, the you, character's just, name is Phil, but like yeah, that, that. he's a goofball. Yes, because well, because I mean, again, to um, comply with the cultural zeitgeist, you have to advance the idea that dads don't matter, which is exactly what the left has successfully advanced for the last sixty years. Dads don't matter. Ty they're, 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 is they sort of they sort of get in the way. Yeah, they have some nice moments. It's fine if they're around from time to time, but dads don't matter. They're incompetent. They're goofballs. Frank Arlington Heights. Um, good morning. I think it's instructive to remember that the uh, play Lysistrata Aristophanes. by Aristophanes yeah, yeah, right. in uh, classical Greece was um, a comedy. It was when the women tried to take over the uh, society. Don't, don't tell that to war. Don't tell that to Spike Lee, who uh, that was what Chirac was, a modern interpretation oh, of right. Lysistrata, wasn't it? Yeah, pulled off. Yeah, not no, a com- not, that. not not much of a comedy though, because it's uh, yeah no. because because it's become just a it's become a documentary. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's it, what what this is what all this is is a tragedy in, in postmodern times. I mean, yeah. you know, would have enough, I'd have enough enough kids. Uh, you know, Japan. I think uh, their stats were last year they had eight hundred thousand children. That was it, and they were talking about how they're not going to be able to meet their societal functions. Was the the quote I remember reading in the article and you know if you have a 1.2 percent you know birth rate or, or not one but 1.2 replacement rate um, right replacement rate is 2.1 but you know what i'm talking about below yeah. two 
Yeah. You're not going to be able to replace the, the, the population and it's going to, and it's going to shrink. And, and that basically means the end of uh, the welfare state is what it does because all of these social programs since Roosevelt have, uh, are dependent on that. You used to have 37 workers for every social security recipient. Now what do you got? Two or three? Well, you had that Yale, uh, the Yale econ professor we talked about at the end of the show yesterday who's got a solution for the Japanese problem, which is uh, mass suicide of the elderly. Well, yeah, they can vol- they can volunteer, or the government can help them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's where we're going. Thanks for the call, Frank. Why not? Right. You know, you got to make the system work. People have to sacrifice for the system. The most important thing is not you, your individual life. No, it's not your family. It's doing whatever it takes to preserve the system. That's a, a philosophy uh, that is real, and you better get your mind wrapped around how real it is among so many in power to wit just watch how cps operates and you get a real sense of it ignacio in spring grove hey guys good morning hey listen yeah this whole feminism thing you know their their outcry was they hated patriarchy but they replaced it with matriarchy um and all this feminism thing is so hypocritical because feminism exists everywhere but in divorce court because you still will have women who are self-proclaimed strong, independent women who live off their ex-husband's income. So the the hypocrisy of the whole thing is just mm. ridiculous. Well, I know someone I who has to pay show. her husband. Exception, um, but that that's fine. Exception, but he, here's the thing: she was the moneymaker. It, it's more. It's more the, the 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 issue is more like women who do have kids, who do have family, yeah, who don't believe in theory what they practice. This is very much like the, 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 the wealthy on the North Shore who uh, espouse Marxism while practicing capitalism. I don't believe in theory what I actually do in practice. What I do in practice, family, mom and dad together, education, engagement, uh, personal responsibility, put them on a career track for success. But I, I, I won't espouse that when it comes to public policy. It's the same thing that goes with so many of these uh, Lululemon leftists in places like Kinsdale. They have families together with their husband and engage in the school and all that. But I, I, I won't espouse that. I won't espouse that as the model. I won't encourage it because I don't want to be judgy. I uh, got a text message. Uh, it's showing that marijuana and wine junkies don't have babies, just get hooked on things. Another one. Don't forget, everybody loves Raymond. He couldn't get the wrapping off of a CD. Yeah, that was actually a funny show, though. Yeah, because Ray Romano's funny, and so is Patricia Heaton. Actually, that yeah, was a good. That good. was a good match. They're a good combo. Yep. Uh, Kathy and Joliet. Morning, Dan. Hi, Amy. Let's get back to why you're single. That was your <laughs> so many you know, reasons opener. Yeah, so many. Well, reasons. Uh, of course, but here I think here's the core issue: you have not met your intellectual peer yet. And if you have even come close, she has not capitulated to let you be right all the time because you are right all the time. Exactly. And that's all the problem. Kathy, do you have the other half of this amulet around my neck? <laughs> Kathy, are you the one? <laughs> We're soulmates, Dan. I love you. <laughs> I, I, I increase my vocabulary tenfold. People think I'm as smart. They say, you sound like Dan Trump. You're amazing. How do you know all that about politics? I hope. Right, you two should go for health. coffee. Thanks for the call, Stop. Kathy. Get her number. Yeah. Let's go. Go for coffee. And, of course, yeah, being the modern man that I am, what? we'll split the check. 
Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. Hear about the big stories of the day, then talk about them right here on Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. It uh, continues to happen where COVIDians are in charge. Out of Australia, a uh, mother of tr- two named Vicky Derdarian needs a heart transplant. But she's being told by the health authorities there, no jab, no, no heart. She said, patients like myself were being pushed into a corner and coerced to take something that goes against what we believe in or not receive life-saving treatment. And also for doctors as well, they're forced to implement this on their patients. Otherwise, they lose their job. She's worried about the risk of myocarditis or pericarditis as a result of taking the vaccine, um, given that she you know, has heart failure and is in need of a heart transplant. And We've um, lost all humanity. Well... Uh, right. And then in addition to that, of course, the macro results continue to pour in. Mentioned it earlier in the week, the CDC survey on teen depression. And um, I mean, the, the numbers. seven percent of high school students, females have thought about committing suicide. In more than one in three. Um, and, you know, this is if you believe CDC numbers, which is always dangerous, but you know that's directionally where things are with the issues of despair and feelings of isolation and the disconnectedness. We've seen study after study that has documented the decline in academic performance, how much this pushed kids behind in their intellectual as well as social and emotional development. Yeah, life experiences that they could never get back. And so we are so pleased to be joined by our next guest, because over the last three years, uh, we've been proud and lucky to bring you people like Dr. Joseph Ladapo, um, Martin Kaldorf, uh, Jay Bhattacharya. These are people who uh, were courageous enough to stand up against the orthodoxy, not just for standing up to the orthodoxy's sake, but because they said, well, wait a second. What they're saying doesn't comport with what we understand. And they're not answering questions that need to be answered. And they're not uh, keeping their promises about the sort of testing and studies that need to be conducted so we have more complete knowledge before we issue these mandates and so on and so forth. Well, uh, Dr. Uh, Joseph Ladapo went from UCLA to Florida, as many of you know, where he was tapped to be the Surgeon General there by Governor Ron DeSantis. That's where he is now. He's also the author of a new book, Transcend Fear, A Blueprint for Mindful Leadership in Public Health. Dr. Joseph Ladapo, thanks for joining us again. Appreciate it. Hey, good morning, guys. Happy to be chatting with you guys this morning. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's so much that has come out just in the last couple of weeks. Um, what is the most disturbing to you? What What should people be focusing on in this discussion uh, of COVID when they're contemplating what to do next for themselves or their children? Oh, man, that's a that's a weighty one. Well, you, you know, I was hearing you talk about these issues of the transplants. 
And this, this thing happens where bad things are happening, but they're in a corner and there's not a lot of light. And so they keep the people who are, are, are the purveyors of these things continue to get away with it. So you, a great example, for example, is just is how you know the country's been forcing people to receive a COVID-19 vaccine to come into the country if they're not a U.S. citizen or permanent resident. You know, completely ludicrous, completely crazy, not effective at stopping spread. Like, why is anyone doing this? But but they did it for a long, long time. And another corner is this transplant issue, where folks are being you know, coerce in a really terrible way. It's really more like a gun to the head to take a vaccine they don't want to receive an organ that will save them. Not a lot of people who need transplants. So these issues stay in the dark. And I think that, I think frankly, there's a lot of, there's a lot of value and a lot of virtue in continuing to beat the drums of these very important. I mean, people talk about social justice, social justice. These are justice issues. Mm-hmm. These, uh, these uh, justice issues that just don't get a lot of light that are in the corners. Now, Pfizer was supposed to report data on myocarditis study by the end of December 2022, but that time has come and gone, and when are we going to know the facts? Oh, Lord have mercy. You know, so unfortunately, the FDA, there's, a, I think, a doctor... Uh, and I, I don't know her, but she posts on Twitter, and she actually called out the FDA, and she got an email back from the FDA's communications office about the six-month extension. Because this is this is a it's it's a completely real thing. There are two studies now: one from Thailand, another from I think Switzerland, that found I mean extremely high rates of cardiac injury. After, after mRNA COVID-19 vaccines, and, and what's an extremely high rate? They found rates of between two and three and a hundred. In fact, I mean that, that is that's just crazy. You know that that is just that is abnormal. That's pathological. It's not good. It's it's quite bad. And Pfizer, we should have already known in larger studies how common this is. Pfizer had a deadline for having more myocarditis data. That was December 31st, 2022, and they got a six-month extension. And the FDA, in their statement to this uh, physician or researcher that she put out on Twitter, she's got the screenshot of the email, they say that that Pfizer requested a six-month extension that was granted. And, of course, you know, there's a word for that, and we, we abbreviate it with the yes, because Anyone who works in the industry or in government knows that it doesn't work like that. There were clearly some communications that, you know, where Pfizer's saying what they want, the FDA is responding and asking questions. Well, why do you want this extension? What are you saying? It's a coordinated decision. And, you know, one day we'll hopefully know the truth, but we, we don't know anything yet about why they're getting this extension on something that, by the way, takes like two weeks of study. And you could have the answers in two weeks. Where, where are you right now in terms of recommending or not recommending the succession of boosters and for, and, and you know, and, and whatever uh, you just, dist- however you distinguish it among the various age cohorts and comorbidity cohorts? What are your recommendations? 
we've come out very strongly against all of them, primary series and boosters for children, and all of them for young men. We've come out very strongly against that because there's there's you know, there's strong data behind that. For the other age groups, so far we're, we're doing some data analysis, and hopefully we'll be able to make some strong recommendations based on the results. My suspicion, as someone who has observed the the data that we have so far, but again, it's not really rigorous in this respect yet, is that at this point in the pandemic, it just it's just just cuckoo for anyone who you know doesn't have major risk factors and isn't older and by older I mean at least 50 if not 65 to take any of these vaccines ever again uh, there's there's uh, there's just you know the, the the harm right now in terms of the virus is almost entirely concentrated based on our Florida data and people who are 65 or older and we're talking about 90% of deaths at least and you know these vaccines they're just they're very unsafe they're just these mrna covid 19 vaccines people are trying to pretend like they're like other vaccines like flu and that is a flat out lie or a a, a delusion they are they are so much less safe than any other widely used vaccine what are your thoughts on dr fauci and his role in all of this Well, Dr. Fauci, you know, he's, he's, it's really funny because Dr. Fauci, he's, um, he's just, he's like, he's, he, he reminds me of the, the, the little funny stories you hear about cockroaches surviving nuclear attacks. And, and that's what he is. He's like, he's kind of, he's always there, even when he's gone, retired, he's still there. And he's, you know, he just, he's just unstoppable, can't crush him, can't, can't push him aside. You know, I mean, in some ways, I, I'm actually amused by him. He's, because um, I, I, I really, I, I suspect that he knows, he's very conscious of what he's doing in terms of how he has manipulated the public perception of everything from remdesivir's. Um, you know, quote unquote effectiveness. I mean, it's it's not a highly effective medication at all for hospitalized patients, and the WHO, the World Health Organization, recommended against it in hospitalized patients. Uh, to the mask stuff, right? He's the guy that says people shouldn't use them in early 2020, and then he's saying you should wear four of them later on in the same year. So I'm actually quite amused by him. Um, you know, he's sort of, uh, he actually brings some comic relief, I think, to the pandemic at this point. But, uh, but yeah, lots of work to do to undo the damage that he has done. Well, and also the admission just recently in a paper that he co-authored that he knew that uh, the, the nature of these vaccines that would not prevent the spread. They would not prevent you from uh, from spreading or getting COVID again. He knew it, and yet he perpetrated this fraud that he had people rinsing and repeating that, you know, you get the jab and then you don't get it or spread it. Right, right. And, I mean, you know, it's funny because I, I know that people were very, that, that did get a good bit of attention. But I, I got to say with him, I just, I don't know why anyone would believe anything he says, right? Like, because yeah, you don't right. know whether he's saying, is he setting up the next, 
the next move, the next uh, stratagem that he's going to unleash? Or, you know, is he covering? I mean, I, I don't take anything seriously that he says. And he has, like Dr. Walensky, you may have seen some excerpts. I, I saw some excerpts of Dr. Walensky, Rochelle Walensky's testimony in front of the front of Congress. And thank goodness someone's asking questions for crying out loud. But she got asked about masks and masking two-year-olds and why we were the only country, basically, that recommends doing that. And she was dancing and, and weaving and hopping and, and saying that she basically said that the randomized, uh, that, 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 you know, even though randomized controlled trials didn't show benefit, other studies did, so we should do it. And she clearly, I mean, she's, she's well-trained. She's obviously well-educated. She actually was a professor at Harvard when I was there in my, in my PhD program, but she clearly just has no grasp of, of epidemiological studies. I mean, they're just clear biases that these studies have, the ones she uses to support masks and to support the vaccines, actually, that, that are completely lost on her. So, well, the, for example, just say, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the problem, no, of course, ahead. is, I mean, <laughs> I, know, I know what you're saying with Fauci and Walensky, but, you know, unfortunately, their viewpoints, however baseless and fact-free, get amplified by the media, and there's... Loads and loads of gullible people in this country, and uh, they tend to have a very negative impact on elections and thus policy. So the problem is that Fauci and Walensky have an outsized impact on public health because of that dynamic. Oh, you're absolutely right. They they do. They do. And I think I don't know. I mean, you see, I think for me, part of keeping my sanity and clarity is just being seeing things for what they are, if you will. And, you know, Dr. Fauci, he really is this amusement. I mean, unfortunately, he absolutely has had a negative and continues to have a very negative impact on the pandemic. And you're right. People hang on it. Reporters will hang on literally his every word. But what is he really? I mean, he's, he's like comedy. I mean, <laughs> he just, he, you know, one plus one equals two today equals three tomorrow, who knows what it's going to equal next week when it comes out of his mouth. And that's the truth. And I think the good part is that more people do wake up to that. But you're right. I mean, it's it's not easy to undo the damage that people like him and Dr. Walensky. Dr. Walensky is less comedic. She's more depressing, frankly, in my opinion. Yeah. But it, so it, is, it takes work to, to undo it. Well, yeah. Um, I, 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 wanted, I wonder, you know, because there's this discussion that has been promulgated by the left, uh, the COVIDian left of, uh, well, that's just amnesty. Mistakes were made. Let's just move on and, you know, learn to love one another again and so forth. Um, I, I wonder what your experience has been, because you're one of those public health professionals that received a lot of criticism for daring to question the orthodoxy, as I mentioned at the outset. And I wonder if any colleagues have come to you after the fact and said, you know, Joe, uh, uh, I didn't agree with you. I thought you were wrong, but it turns out you were right about a lot of things. And, you know, I, I apologize. We, we, you're, some of the suggestions you made, the way that we approach these things, we have to do better next time. Have, have you had any conversations like that? You know, it's a great question. A few, not many. So really, people tend to fall into two categories. They've either been suspicious from the beginning, and those suspicions have only grown or they were drinking the COVID Kool-Aid from the beginning 
and now they they don't like the taste anymore, but they're unwilling to to face the truth and admit that they were part of that that whole COVID mania. And so it's like I, I think it's this amnesty BS of let's just pretend nothing bad happened and that nothing wrong happened and let's move on. So I think, and you see that in life. I mean, it's not just COVID. A lot right. of times people are just, it, it's few people who are willing to really take ownership of when they made mistakes and to call themselves out. Most people don't want to do that. They just want to put it in the rearview mirror. He is Florida Surgeon General, Dr. Joseph Latipo. He's also the author of the new book, Pick It Up, Transcend Fear, a Blueprint for Mindful Leadership in Public Health. Dr. Latipo, thanks as always for joining us. Pleasure. Keep up the good work. Uh, lots of love to you guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. It's news, opinion, insight. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Uh, gathering of uh, our village elders at Gibson's last night upstairs in the big event room what? Could, be fo- could be found Mayor Triple Threat oh. Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox oh, Cam tell- Buckner oh. <laughs> that's what I, I'm understanding from a little birdie mm-hmm. and uh, apparently I, I don't know what they were doing probably doing readings from Das Kapital I'm not really sure but uh, yeah boy uh, maybe um Maybe it was a farewell party for Lori Lightfoot. Or strategizing how she's going to try and you know, bump up her game in the next coming few weeks. couple weeks. She's got uh, – she's T-minus 13 days, uh, as Willie Wilson said in the, in the uh, debate last week. You got this program you're rolling out February 27th. Well, February 28th, you're going to be out of office, so what good does that do? Uh, all right, let's turn it over to Steve Moore. He's the uh, economist that we know and love. He's also the author of Govzilla. Steve, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Good morning, guys. By the way, this is the, the whole country is kind of following this mayoral election in Chicago yeah. to see yeah. whether there's any sanity left in that city, whether it's worth – well, we all know it's worth saving. I'm from Chicago. It's a great, great city, but it has been so run down by liberal progressive policies. And I got to tell you, you know, I um, I uh, was working in New York at the time that Rudy Giuliani became mayor there. Now, no matter what people think of uh, Rudy with respect to some of his Trump activities, I mean, I could see day by day by day by just putting a competent person in charge of that city of New York, how the crime went away, the vandalism went away, the graffiti went away, the schools improved. A leadership matters, and and Chicago can be saved. It's a question of whether the voters of Chicago, you know, have the courage to vote for someone who will bring in some radical change because that's what that city needs. Yeah, I don't think that's on the on the menu. Um, but <laughs> well, I uh, thought one of the I thought one of the candidates. I haven't followed that closely, but I thought there was one really strong kind of. Yeah, there's no. There's no. Candidate. There's no really strong candidate. There's Paul Vallis, the former CPS superintendent. Yeah, Vallis. And there's I've there's heard, Willie I'm Wilson, the businessman. Good. He is good. Yeah, he's okay. Um, he's, don't get too excited. Oh, I'm excited uh, about oh, him. Oh, you're bringing me down. I thought he would be. I thought he would no. be a great. You know. By the way, I saw no. two in in Washington D.C. You know, we had uh, 
terrible leadership for many, many, many years in, in Washington, D.C., and we don't have a very good mayor right now. But we elected two um, black mayors in the 90s who were amazing, and they actually made the city function again. So my point is, you know, cities can be saved. What The big story of what's happening in America today, by the way, I'm writing a big story on this for the Wall Street Journal, it's not, it's not um, people moving from blue states to red states. People are moving from blue cities to red states. They're moving. I mean, the big story now is the migration of blacks out of Chicago after, you know, decades of, of African-Americans moving from the south to the Chicago and other, you know, Midwestern and Northeastern cities. Now they're moving back. Well, that's <laughs> now well, that's back. Well, that's that's been going on for a decade in terms of the flight from yeah, Chicago. It's accelerating now. For, yeah, that's yeah. right. No, that's right. But but the problem, I, but you know, I, I you, you want to hold out hope too. But the big cities that uh, had dalliances with sanity when Reardon was in L.A. or Giuliani was right. in New York, that right. that seems to be by the boards. You know, we were excited about the possibility of uh, of of, uh, of what could happen in. L.A. and then Karen Bass wins. You're excited right. about Eric Adams to replace de Blasio. Nothing could be worse than de Blasio, so it has to go up from there. Well, if it is going up from there, it's uh, imperceptible. And yeah. and so, and so yeah. it's the same. It's the same thing in Chicago. I just don't think the cities are in a place now. They have gone so far down the the uh, the, the the rabbit hole. I just don't think they're in a place where you can see the sort of seismic change that you saw under those uh, center-right mayors like Reardon or Giuliani a generation ago? I, you know, I, I'm not as pessimistic as you are. I mean, I think that I'm hopeful it's that the bad people of Chicago— By the way, especially the minorities, the, the blacks and Hispanics have to— they're the victims of these horrible policies, right? I mean, they're the victims of the crime. They're the victims no, no, of no. the horrible— We're all, No, uh, no, no. That's schools. everybody— White, black, it doesn't matter. You could be purple, transgender. Everybody is victims of crime in Chicago. Crime is not just on the north, or excuse me, on the west and south side. That's now. true. That it's is everywhere. true. But, but, That's the only reason but, it's but dominating. People are being murdered are predominantly black Americans. Correct. In Chicago. True. Yeah, that's predominantly right. black on black crime. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but but it's it's but it's it's been that way for a long time, and Chicago's had this problem for a long time. It only matters now because some of the honky neighborhoods are feeling it. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just it's it's it's, it's, we just haven't we haven't been able to get ourselves to push for a new paradigm. And there's nobody really pushing for a new paradigm. Nobody running right now included. Well, well, look, I thought there was a new paradigm. We have a little item in our hotline today about Evanston, Illinois. And, you know, they put in place that reparations project. And that's just working really well to, you know, to. uh, to atone for the sins of the past. What is it? They 25 people got $25,000 or something. Right. And they have to pay off their mortgage with it or put it or make improvements to their home. So there's a stipulation that comes with the money. Well, and we got, and uh, speaking of it, we have uh, our uh, illustrious Cook County board chairman, Tony, Tony, Tony Preckwinkle, who is uh, now um, becoming a national leader in universal basic income programs. She's got a pilot program going on in Cook County that she wants to scale for, uh, essentially, um, I don't know, about 40 percent of the county at billions of dollars in guaranteed money for people just for existing. So this is what's actually going on. This is where sort of the dominant um, disposition is. So don't get too excited. It's just pump. The yeah, brakes but a you little know bit. what? I'm going to give I'm going to give you guys some big some good news. OK, you're ready for some good news. At least you're not Baltimore. Did you see the, the results of the Baltimore um, 
educational achievement. There were 22 schools in Baltimore, 22, where not a single child, not a single student passed the math proficiency exam. Oh my gosh! We we have we have uh, we have fifty in Chicago. We have ninety no, schools. About, no, no, I'm talking about not one single child. So am I. So am I. So am I. You think it, it's really? Baltimore, Baltimore, Chicago, I mean, New York? I mean, it's all the same story in big cities. What's happening, in my estimation, you'll look forward to your piece. I mean, all the institutions in these big cities are disintegrating before our very eyes. It's been happening for a long time. Now it's increased in pace. Well, you know what they pay. I don't. What What is the per pupil um, expenditure in Chicago in the public schools? Well, roughly COVID, thirty grand. Thirty grand. Thir- not thirty. Thirty. Yeah, thirty grand. <laughs> I don't know where that money is going. What they're you using. You get a better education in Chicago in the in the Catholic schools. A much better education for less than one half of the cost. No kidding. Why don't we just give every student in Chicago a, yeah. a $16,000, $18,000 voucher and just let their kids go to a good school? I mean, I, it, the whole thing is so rat poison. I'm so angry about it. I mean, Baltimore is spending – I thought Baltimore was spending a lot of $22,000 per student. You're saying it's 30000 in Chicago? Yeah. yeah. For sure. Send the kids to Harvard, for goodness sakes. <laughs> yeah, well, silly. the problem is um, they can't read or do math, uh, despite the thirty grand a, a year. That's the that's the issue in that's terms the, of the well, Ivy at least, League. At least you, the teachers' unions are well, you know, the, yeah. the teachers are well paid. So that's the important thing. Um, I want to get amazing to, pensions too. to another topic. Um, this uh, yeah. this uh, this uh, brouhaha over at the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission. You know, uh, it's one of these sort of below the fold stories, but. We uh-huh. talk about the administrative state, and this seems yep. to be a great example to highlight uh, the importance of paying attention to who these uh, agency heads are and what they do in these agencies that have a lot of power, even though they don't get a lot of ink. And the Federal Trade Commission chairman, this woman named Lena Kahn, Lena appoint, Kahn. Yep. Appoint, appointed by Biden, boy, uh, she is um, running roughshod over the rule of law, at least to hear uh, Christine Wilson, who is a F- right. FTC right. commissioner who's now resigning, uh, tell it that Lena Khan it's not just that she disagrees with her philosophy on antitrust, which is basically I don't believe in mergers, um, but it's also that she just is expanding the agency's mission outside of mm-hmm. the prescribed limits set by Congress. And she's a ends justify the means when it comes to due process. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a basically a dictatorship over there at the FTC, and and you understated it. I mean, she sees every local gas station as a monopoly. <laughs> she sees every local grocery store as a monopoly. So break everything up into tiny little pieces, um, and she hates the word profit. You see, it's very her philosophy is if you are a businessman or woman and you are making a profit, then Dan and Amy by by definition, then you are a monopoly. Right. I mean, the only way we can get rid of these greedy businesses is to get rid of profits. And uh, so this woman is she's, I think, 29 or 30 years old. She's never worked a day in her life. She's been in academia. She's a typical Washington, you know, inside the beltway airhead. And she is um, she's now telling businesses, you know, major businesses when they can buy another company. Uh, she wants to break them up if they get too successful, because the only profit is a dirty word. Don't you understand that? 
But it, but why should it matter? Because this is for you know you big players. If she doesn't want let to, to let Mark Zuckerberg at Meta acquire some other business, why should we care about this? Give give us the implications of somebody like her at FTC. I'll, I'll give you know everybody says oh let's get you know oh we can't have these big companies swallowing up the small companies because this is what leads to the innovation and invention and entrepreneurial process in the first place. When you start, I'm on the board of two startup companies. You know what we want? You know why we've invested in this company? We're hoping Google will buy us out for 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars. This, you need the merger and acquisition process to get small businesses started. By the way, when a big company purchases a small company, the people who are the biggest beneficiaries are the shareholders of the smaller companies. Every study has shown that. So if you break up the merger and acquisition process, you're, you're going to have so few um, new companies started in this country, which is the backbone of our country. Lena Khan doesn't get that because she's an academic who's never run. I'd love for one of these, you know, administrators say a profit's so dirty. Why don't one of these people go out, Amy, and actually start a company and see if they can make a profit? Because it ain't so damn easy. Mm. Um, Before before we let you go, the latest in the debt ceiling theater, how does that play out? Well, same old thing. I mean, they've got it. Republicans have to hold firm here. This is the battle royale of our time. Are we going to are we going to let this uh, great country of ours go bankrupt? Give you one statistic that just came out. uh, We have in our hotline the other day. You may have seen it, Dan, that in five years we will be spending more money on interest on the debt than we will on our national our entire national defense. Steve Moore. Isn't Isn't that scary? Yeah, who's going to shoot down the balloons? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, we are going to have wanna... 99 Luft balloons, okay? Yeah, that's right. true. Very we're practical. not going to have the uh, have the capacity to do it because we're going to be paying interest on the debt for, for all these idiot programs that we spend money on. Uh, you can't make the, this stuff up, The guys. sky will be dotted with Chicom yes. balloons. Uh, Steve Moore, <laughs> economist, Godzilla author. Steve, thanks as always. <laughs> See you guys. Have a great day. Thank Bye. you. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. Listen to podcasts of Dan and Amy from the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Willie Villalpando works at uh, Santa Ana College in California where he teaches early child development. For the previous five years, he was in the uh, pre-K division, teaching pre-K at the Rialto Unified School District in California. Then, you know, he had to level up to Santa Ana so he could train the trainers, teach the teachers, of course. Um, He's got an interesting take on childhood innocence. doesn't exist. There's common mythology that children live in this world of pure innocence and that by introducing or exposing them to the real world adults are somehow shattering this illusion for them. Therefore, there's a banning of topics and issues that children should not be exposed to as if they're not experiencing them already. I'm tired of the childhood innocence argument. Stop blaming a phenomenon that doesn't exist. Remember, he's uh, in early childhood development at the collegiate level now. The idea children shouldn't be exposed to sexuality, let some of you old fuddy-duddies think. Right. That is a very white Christian, upper-class, cisgendered, and heterocentric view. 
not talking about queerness in the classroom, is not letting children be children. It's telling those people they do not deserve to exist. Kids are never too young. Never. So rather than worrying about kids, you know, in preschool, let's work to deconstruct some of our own biases as adults incorrectly link discussions on sexuality and gender as equating to discussions about sex. Of course not. Yeah. Well, there you go. And, you know, you run into a parent that's still clinging to these white, Christian, upper-class, cisgendered, and heterosexual views, then you work around him or her. Yeah, that's what um, Aurora Regino found happened with her and her daughter in the Chico Unified School District in California. Oh, teachers there must have been taking classes from... uh, Willie Villalpando. Here's Aurora Regino's story. One California mom is suing because of the phone call she didn't get. The one telling her that her daughter was socially transitioning to a different gender. I just want them to stop stop keeping parents in the dark. California mom Aurora Regino's 11-year-old daughter was living a double life at Sierra View Elementary School. The fifth grader was a girl at home and a boy named Jaden at school. Regino is suing the Chico Unified School District to put a stop to their parental secrecy policy, which she says allows students to switch genders without parental notification or approval. They were talking to my daughter about uh, different support groups in town to help her with her transition and then discuss breast binding with my daughter that I had no knowledge of. Regino's daughter has since identified once again as a female. As for Regino, she says her lawsuit isn't about money. It's about protecting parental rights. The goal is to make sure that this doesn't happen to any more families and kids. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line, 64636DA, turnkey.pro text line. It's on the ballot, um, sort of, kind of on the ballot on February 20. Eighth in Chicago, not really, but kinda. What's that? Mean? Definitely on the ballot on April fourth yeah. for school board elections. The uh, parental rights issue, parental involvement. I mean, it's still a, a bit curious to me that there isn't more of an uproar in more places. There definitely is in some over over <laughs> parents being cut out of their child's uh, decision-making when it comes to matters of sex identification and everything that follows. Uh, literally, uh, we, we, we've heard, we've heard the tapes. Abigail Schreier got the tapes from these California Teachers Association conference where they openly, the teachers, talk about how to work around parents who are not on board with their vision for kids who are not their own. You can do it in CPS. You can work around the parents if you want to get counseling for one of your students who's transitioning. That's if a new the, So in CPS, if the child says, I want to be called Mike uh, at school and don't tell my mom yep. that I want to be called Mike, then that's what CPS that's teachers do. Yep. Mm-hmm. And right. they can receive counseling without the parent's permission. And and that's you have no to be doubt. Older, hand- than, older than 12, though, just so you know. 
But that's no doubt happening in the suburbs as well. Older than 12. 12 is the age of consent now. <laughs> so stupid. Interesting. Paula and Racine, you're in Chicago's Morning Answer. So I don't know if you guys have uh, covered what's going on in Kenosha, but basically they're the second largest school district in the state, and they're overturning their 22 school board election and removing um, not the sole conservative, but definitely the most vocal conservative from the board uh, on a meeting on Monday. Yeah, I, I saw this this story. This is Eric Meadows, right? Correct, yes. And so uh, give us Why? the backstory. So apparently there was an administrative error when they posted for the election. There was a, a person who had you know retired early, so there was a vacant seat. They appointed someone temporarily and then ran an election. Well, when they ran the election, it um, apparently should have been for a one-year cycle, but everything that was posted, everything that everybody voted on was for a three-year cycle. Um, and they had three candidates win, and, and um, they now have figured out that there was an administrative glitch, and their solution is to remove the conservative because he's been too vocal, right? So oh, the election yeah. is not invalidated. The, the election is valid, and they have a, 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 you know, an array of solutions, but their solution is that they're going to remove the conservative. And uh, it's, it's, I've never heard anything like this before. And, of course, what's even more, you know, to, to the cherry on top is the two people on the board who are charged with the election, you know, the, the clerk and the president, are both on the ballot in April. So well, no I'm, consequences, no accountability. Well, Paula, as we know, I mean, far be it for me to question election authorities. I don't want to be accused of being an election denier uh, <laughs> or a threat to our democracy. So thanks for the call, Paula. Whatever the Racine School Board does is, by definition, the proper thing, because you cannot question the administration of elections. Otherwise, you're an insurrectionist. So I'm not going there. Thanks for bringing that to us. I meant to get to that, but yeah, um, yeah good. We'll, we'll follow up on that Kenosha story. Uh, that'd be a good idea. Carolyn Moments. Hi, good morning. Um, you know, it seems like the kids are being taught all about sex toys. The, the problem is they won't be able to read the directions. Hey, hey yeah. Thanks for the call, Carol. <laughs> uh, Bill, Cape Coral, Florida. Yeah, I got a, a little idea here. Uh, hey, about students. When they go to class, tell their uh, instructors, especially the black ones, that they want to be called master from now on. So when you address me, you call me master. <laughs> That's how silly that is. Thanks for the call, Bill. Kevin, Austin, Texas. Uh, hey, good morning, uh, Dan and Amy. How does somebody who's not a political junkie find out uh, people who are running for school board, and you know what I mean, and finding out what their positions are and that type of thing? Somebody well, a, a political junkie. Yeah, I mean, thanks for the call, Kevin. I mean, look, um, this is sort of incumbent upon the candidates. I mean, right. you know, these school board races, I, I was up in McHenry County for their uh, Lincoln Leadership Dinner on Saturday night, and there were some school board candidates there. And, you know, a reminder that, like, you walk precincts in a school board race, um, you know, there's a very good chance you win. It, there's just not that many voters in most of these races. They're low turnout elections with relatively small populations in most school districts for particular board seats. You knock doors and you talk to people. Well, that's how you'll they'll get to know you and they'll get to know what your positions are and you'll get to know who your supporters are and who they are not. So you 
help turn out your supporters on Election Day. It's just it's a small universe. And so there's really no excuse for people to be in the dark. Those, you know, one in six to maybe one in four who are actually going to participate in those elections. What you have is most of these places uh, that are have lost their minds. You have a controlled vote, teachers unions. Mm-hmm. And then you have just not enough participation from actual civilians, you know, outside of teachers unions and their apparatchiks. But it's the candidates have to get out there and knock doors and talk to people. And uh, I know February and March is not necessarily the most pleasant time, but there's just not that much ground to cover if you get out and knock doors and, and maybe you are able to, you know, send a mailing or two with some palm cards out. It, it's really old school that way. So. Um, that's the way it works, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, right. This is going to be, you know, multi-million dollar TV campaigns. It's not that it's not those kind of races. So uh, it's uh, really if you don't know who your school board candidates are, then one of two things is happening. You're being willfully blind and lazy or the school board candidates are or both. So uh, how or do you how do you how, are running again and they don't think anybody will pay attention? And, you know, well, well, but that's. That's, again, the fault of anybody challenging them. So, I mean, you know, a little bit of paying attention and candidates who demonstrate worthiness by making a little bit of an effort and the mystery should be solved. Uh, Harry in Novi, Michigan. Hi, Dan and Amy. Um, Again, I think some of these lawsuits are are misdirected. in that they need to start including individuals in these lawsuits, not the school boards, not the school districts. We pay for the lawyers who cover those. Uh, We need to put pain on the people that are initiating this. And then maybe they'll start standing up to the rules that they're being asked to follow that they truly believe are not correct. Uh, We used to have gang problems and officers would shy away from certain things and they would tell us because we don't want to be involved in a personal lawsuit. I think if we turn the tables on them this way, we might have a chance. Trying to elect people in that will do the right thing is not working. Thanks for the call, Harry. You know, the other thing, um, not to go down, uh, get off on too much of a tangent, but we have to relentlessly message on this. This is the way to institute discipline, even if you do elect the quote-unquote right people, even if you do get challengers into the incumbents where that's appropriate. Um, because you can't chaperone these people every board meeting every day and you see this happen over and over again i've seen it happen over and over again that uh people you think are going to be reformers get into these institutions where they're outnumbered and they either are lured into giving themselves over or they're intimidated and they give themselves over to the institution and nothing changes the only long-term way is to relentlessly make the case, relentlessly message on these topics, to win the arguments, to get upstream of candidates, to win the arguments because popular support for a particular issue is what institutes ongoing discipline in a way that money or the power of a uh, one campaign cycle cannot. And I think people need to think about being sort of more engaged even at a surface skimming level, engaged in the conversation and putting out uh, good content relentlessly. The left is a perpetual motion messaging machine. 
you see this right now with the He Gets Us campaign, $100 million uh, on this social justice advertising campaign to sort of reintroduce America to Christ. The He Gets Us. You saw they had two, yep. two campaign commercials during the Super Bowl. I've been talking about this. $100 million campaign. What are they doing? Now, I think there are some who are ostensibly conservatives involved in this, and they, they, they're misguided because it's – I don't like the campaign, but I understand what they're doing, and the left is very good at doing this. Get upstream of candidates, win the popular arguments, move popular opinion, and then the candidates see the air cover being provided. They see the $100 million campaign. They hear what people are talking about, and then they just draft off of that support. They draft off of that messaging leadership. So we on the conservative side need to do a better job of getting upstream. So you have candidates organically drafting off the momentum being created through message leadership, through driving discussion all the time, all the time. Tony in Downers Grove. Well, hey, Dan. Uh, well, two things. First, you just brought up the, uh, the he gets us thing. When I started seeing that, I look at it as it's just another way to – uh, cloak in the agendas that are being driven by the left. So God yes. social justice he, Christians. That's what this is. Th- yes, exactly. Yeah. So the but, other, but 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 Tony's just to, just to digress for one minute. But but look at what they're doing. It's it's non denominational, and so it's a hundred million dollars over the top. And so hey, you at the this Methodist church. You take it and run with it in your way. Localize it. You interpret it locally. You at this Episcopalian church, take it and localize it. You at this Catholic church, take it and localize it. Non-denominational, over the top, and then uh, you have at the local level parishes, churches, individuals pick it up and run with it, translate it locally within their circles of influence. That's the way it's done. Yeah, and and it's all— and it's surface. But the other thing I wanted to mention was, you know, you're talking about the this gentleman, the, the preschool and, and ideology that's being thrust upon children. And now we have our governor who's going to, you know, float the uh, universal uh, preschool for three and four year olds, along with extended daycare, which to me, they're one and the same. And I, and I know the surplus that the state's going to continue to have is going to pay for all this. But really what this is, is just another way to shove the agenda or I don't want to say indoctrinate the kids, but the message, this is where they start. And isn't it too late because you elect a leader like Pritzker who's going to do this. And now you're asking the same people that voted him in to go to school board meetings and object. That's what's happening when they're not paying attention. Thanks for the call. It's not too late because the uh, electorate is markedly different because it's much smaller, but, um, but, I mean, your point is well taken. Uh, one other thing, too, just on this uh, this cutting parents out of the equation and um, that perhaps being a, sort of like boys and girls sports, an area where commonsensical people who are otherwise afraid would draw a line. I, I, you'd think they would if they knew or wanted to know, maybe. I don't know. Uh, so we mentioned in, in California, writ large, statewide. Amy talked about it in CPS. I also have a PowerPoint from District 200, Wheaton-Warrenville South. Wheaton, yeah. Warrenville mm-hmm. South. Yes. Same thing. Same thing. Same thing. Cut parents out. There's a problem. Parents got to go. Wheaton. That's how far and wide it's spread. Uh, so now the only question is, what do folks want to do about it? 
Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. The more you listen, the more you listen, the more you'll know. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. Morning Answer on AM 560. The Answer. It's time for Dan Prof's Parenting Tips. Whoa! Dan Prof's Parenting Tips. Whoa! Tell your kids to shut up and listen to him. <laughs> You're a child. Yeah, I do miss this segment. Oh, oh, oh. I'm glad we could dust this off, actually, just for the jingle alone. Yeah, and Justin's voice was so high back then. He's right, really he developed through, into a man. Well, he's going through puberty at the time. That was two <laughs> years ago. Uh, all right, so uh, what's the problem with Peyton and Elon? Uh, all right, so my son, Peyton, plays volleyball at Georgia Tech, and they have a big game this weekend against University of Georgia Bulldogs. And uh, I've been planning on going, you know, Friday after the show, going out to see him. Wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. Your son is attending the Georgia-Georgia Tech game. No, he plays. He made volleyball. Oh, he's playing he's a volleyball game. He's in the game, game. and he's, he's moved is up. This, is this club? Yeah, it's club, but it's it's competitive. I mean, 107 kids tried out for two spots, and they've got real uniform. Like, it's a real deal. Does this go anywhere? Does he have a does it does he have a chance to be an Olympian? Can he play beach volleyball with uh, Karch Karai? Yeah. Does Karch Karai still play? Yeah. Uh, so it can go somewhere. I mean, is there money involved at the end of the rainbow? There's no money involved, I don't think, unless you know he gets sponsors. <laughs> College he, athletes it, are getting sponsored now, so that's not out of the don't realm they, of don't they? Do they? Did Title Nine limit all all formal male volleyball teams? Do they have formal male volleyball teams? They have, yes, they have formal male volleyball teams, but it's not as big as you think it is. SEC, they've got club, and in the Big Ten, the only team that has a volleyball team is Ohio State. They're the only team with a male volleyball yes. team, official male volleyball yes. team that plays NCAA once yep. sanctioned events. That's it. Ohio sanctioned State matches. and then Purdue, Fort Wayne, they've got something. But that's so, pretty much it. Okay. So people uh, play club. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Continue. So I've been looking forward to this. Can't wait. You know, got a minivan so I could drive some of the players if they want to ride, blah, blah, blah. But then I found out that Eli, they have their state playoffs on Saturday at Amundsen against Mather. And if they lose, they're out of it. And also, I'm I'm kind of in charge. <laughs> I do the scoreboard, and I love doing that job, and greet the refs, and then just make sure all the equipment gets put back into the spot where it's supposed to go so that chairs don't end up all over the entire school. And let me a- ask a question about this now. So uh, Eli is a senior. He has not made a collegiate decision yet. He has not. There's a possibility he could kick uh, be a place kicker in college. That is a possibility. Is there but a possibility he could play basketball in college? Looking at D3 schools right now. Really? We went to Carthage College because he's got, sure. he leads the his conference in double doubles. Do you think people know what that means? I do. Well, do you yeah. want to explain? To points people? and rebounds. <laughs> right. Double digit points double and doubles. rebounds a game. Yeah. Is he averaging a double double a game? He's average. Yeah, he's getting, then he averages 12, 11.9 points a game. Five blocks a game. He's up there. He's not. He's what's a, a solid the, high school basketball player. What's with the uh, the twelve points a game? That's not a lot. Does he? Can he shoot from the outside? Yeah, he he shoots. Yeah, he can shoot threes. He does. Does he? Does he play back to the basket? Does he play the post at all? How tall is he? No, six, he does five? not play the post. No, no, he's a he number five? two three. He's six There's, four and a half. Six. Okay, so he's six five. He faced up to the basket. All right, and the three point shooter. What kind of yeah. what kind of percentage he's, are we talking uh, about? Field 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 goal percentage. I'm not sure, but. Free throw percentage, he's 80%, so that's pretty good. Okay. So, so he's, he's got, got the some... basics, the fundamentals. He's got a great attitude. I coach him in volleyball, and he's one of my favorite people to coach. Not because okay. he's my son, but also my other son. I told him when he graduates that I'm going to miss you as my son, but I'm going to miss you more as a player because <laughs> he's an amazing middle hitter. 
So I have uh-huh. to decide because it's one and done. You know, IHSA. You know, but we are playing Mather. We did beat Mather in the regular season, sixty-two to fifty. But that was early on in the season, and I know their coach, and he's a good guy, and he's a good coach. So I, don't, I just don't know what to do. Uh, this is an easy decision, oh my. Uh, as far as I'm concerned. But um, I'll uh, let people weigh in uh, with their own opinions before they, before I reveal the truth. Three one two six four two fifty six hundred Turnkey Dot Pro answer line six four six three six D A Turnkey Dot Pro text line. Peyton Mike or Eli? Scott. Peyton to play club volleyball, uh, Georgia Tech versus Georgia, or Eli in a in a state playoff game here locally. Where it's mm-hmm. eliminated. You're you know one and done. If they right, lose that game, but if they win that game, which they should win that game, but they're missing their star point guard, um, then they play Deerfield next week. Well, then they at lose Deerfield. Anyway. Well, no, yeah, no, they get crushed. <laughs> I knew you were going to say as that. As soon as they go to the <laughs> suburbs, they get crushed. I, I don't how know. How many what games have? How many basketball games have you seen this year? Oh, I, every single one. And okay. the one that I was going to miss, there was a shooting at Sun, so they canceled that. game. I agree with Dan. It's an easy decision. But, easy decision. I don't know. I think that you two are on the, a different page. Like, no. Text us six four six three six. Type in da. Then a quick comment. Let's see if any. Why? Which way are you leaning? I'm stuck in the middle. I couldn't even sleep last night because I found out yesterday that the game's Saturday. And I said, no, no, wait, it can't be Saturday. I mean, senior night is tonight, so that's going to be nice. And, you know, the honor of the parents and the senior players. Sure. But yeah. that's the Saturday's a big game. Easy decision. Easy Mike, is it an easy decision for no, you? No, t- total no-brainer. It's an easy decision for me. Yeah. Oh, ugh. no one's going to bite on the phone line? Who wants to go first? 312-642-5600, Turnkey Depp Pro answer line. I don't know. I just think that because it's a big game, Georgia Tech game, and he's starting. And then this, but then if they lose, it's over. How many volleyball games have you seen this year? This is the only time I can go to a volleyball game. Because in the fall, I coach varsity. And in in, the spring, Because it's in Georgia. But it's in Georgia. But also, too, I, I have obligations. On the weekends when I'm in season for girls varsity or for boys varsity volleyball, uh, again, and I can't leave. I don't want to hear about your yeah. problems. Let's just get to the decision. <laughs> let's let's get to the heart of it. It's, All right. a, it's an okay, easy decision. Mike, let's right, have Mike, Mike go first. Mike go first, and then I'll 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 tell Mike if he's right or not. You go to the volleyball game in Georgia. Yes, completely wrong. I completely disagree with Mike. I oh got my a text gosh, message. Eli, <laughs> hands down, Amy. What are you thinking? High school totally. basketball is once in a lifetime. Eli, it's it's the total play. Here, let me let me explain. Well, no, let Mike. Mike, you now you have to okay, defend your answer because right. people have to hear the argument. Because there's side a financial tie to this too. A financial right. tie. Well, because I bought the plane tickets. Yeah, well, I rented course. the car. Sure. I got the Airbnb, which I don't yeah. think I'll get money back from the Airbnb. No. The plane and the Hertz, I can. That's fine. You were actually able so, to find a rent a car. Good for you. Yeah. Let Let Stacey Abrams use your place and your stuff. <laughs> that's not that for that weekend. That's uh, a good solution to the problem. So why why the volleyball game, Mike? Well, because she hasn't seen him all year long, and that is that would take precedence to me over something that I've seen all year long. It's an up and down season. You you want to be there for your kid, but. Yeah, you, you've seen a lot of that child play all year long. And as a parent, you have to make decisions sometimes that are going to rankle one and make another one happy. Pick up, pick a side, make a decision, stick with it. In this case, volleyball that you haven't seen all year long. And, and, and I'm never going to see club, the rest and, of the season. And club volleyball is, on the collegiate level, a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty big deal. It's not... It's not. It's not rec level. It's not intramurals. No, God these no. guys are playing for yeah. blood, and a national title. 
you go see the volleyball game. Wait, is the volleyball game a playoff game? No. It's a regular season game. It's a regular season game, but I cannot go, nor have I been yeah. able to go to any games at all. This is the one pocket of the year that I could go see my son. All right, let me let me Ugh. give a uh, let me give the uh, uh, argument of an outside expert, okay. self self appointed expert, by the way. Uh, oh, yeah, both no, of us no, no credentials. <laughs> just I've just decided I'm an expert. Uh-huh. Um, so and here's I the love thing. this team, and I love the parents. The, this is not. This is you. You have, This has to be a dispassionate decision. It has nothing to do with who's seen whom when or any of those familial bonds. Just scrap all that. Okay. Irrelevant. What's re- what's <laughs> relevant? Dan takes the emotion out of everything, even parenting. <laughs> okay. What What is relevant is what's at stake. And uh, look, if it was an engineering competition and Peyton was building like a a robotic dog that could catch criminals or something, and there was, you know, a job at Boston Dynamics on the line in this event, that's one thing. He's playing some, uh, you know, regular season game for club volleyball guys who are doing this as a hobby. Uh -uh. Now, whereas Eli, there's scholarship money potentially on the line. Not, I mean, you know, Amundsen isn't going to – they may win Saturday, but they're not going anywhere in the tournament. He's there, so he's got one or two games. This is important because he needs to show well <laughs> so you've got some playoff game film to send to Carthage College or other schools he might be looking at. And maybe maybe mom gets absolved of her college financing responsibilities. I hear you, but there's no scholarship money available at Carthage. That's D3. Yeah, oh, that's, that's right, D3. D3. No, maybe, maybe, maybe if he's a little bit more selfish – and he has uh, a 30-20 that's, game. That's right. He levels up <laughs> to the scholarship cash. And then, hello, IUPUI's calling. Uh, Exa- well, can exactly. Can you exactly. a text message? Uh, easy. Send Dan to the volleyball game to represent the family. Yeah, right, yeah. I'm here <laughs> as a, yeah, I'm a, right, I'm here on behalf of the family, the consigliere. Yeah, I'm the Tom Hagen of the Jacobson clan. Another text message, I'd choose Eli's. Good luck to both of them. Another text message, basketball. Amy, what are you thinking? Well, that's the other thing is that you then you have to look at the sport. Oh, and, they, stop with this. And basketball, obviously, is a – I mean, I think volleyball is a sport because, you know, unlike soccer, you can use your hands. Um, you have to. But, mm-hmm. um, but I mean – Basketball is the superior sport oh, for the superior stop. athlete. Now, I'm not going no, to agree not. with that. I don't line agree with that thinking. at all. I'm not going but to when you're in the basketball season, because I played basketball and I loved it, and then I missed I it when I started playing volleyball. Then you play volleyball and you coach it, and then you miss it when you have to go play basketball games. Even if there's not scholarship, it's still the ability to play at the next level. Yeah, and that's something that, that you know, you play D three. Who knows? Oh. I mean, six five. He's a scrawny kid right now. He grows in that body a little bit more. You know, Jack Sekma played at Illinois Wesleyan, and look at the career he had. You can go D three and still make it to the NBA. Oh, yeah. Then mom that's doesn't true. have to worry about anything ever again. <laughs> this is this is a horrible text message, Amy. Eli will never forgive you for missing his potential last basketball game ever. No, it's not oh, about now. It's not about that. It's it's, it's, it's just, just has, you, this has to be completely transactional in terms of you know where the most is at stake and and i'm not talking about mom son bonds i I don't care about any of that of course (laughs) i'm just focusing on cash and prices that's the way you gotta look i gotta tell you the the compelling argument that has been made thus far is 20 and 10 gets the eyes of the yeah d3 coach you get it right and or maybe even you get a low level 
Right. You know, low level, even a D1 pro. Maybe he goes to he go play. Well, Liberty's got a good program. There, Liberty's right? got a good program. I yeah. Try yeah. that. Wheaton uh, College is the best. In the Southern, Southern yeah, Indiana. Yeah. There's a there's yeah. a Eastern no, Illinois. No, no, you can, all right, well, take over. Northwestern. <laughs> Northwestern, <laughs> not, not this that, year. That, well, that 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 will fade. It's temporary, oh. yeah, very temporary. It's been a been a slim pickings for a decade. Chris Collins has been there a decade. People forget that it doesn't it was, feel like it. Yeah, or no. maybe it does. He's got about ten years worth of wins this year. Uh, Dan and West Aurora, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Yeah, for him, a solution for Amy. You just stay home or do something you want, and then tell them both you went and saw the other one. For <laughs> lie to both of them. Yeah, Very right. Good. That's, Thanks no, for the yeah, call, I'm Dan. Not going to do that. Yeah. Love that. But I'm also fiber. in charge of the yeah. score table. You know what I mean? I don't want to. Not that that Peyton and Eli could ever compare notes to find out where Mom was. You know, if you're at the scores table, that could easily become a twenty and ten night. It was exactly right. Yeah, I think I'm yeah. good at my job. I mean, I've gotten yeah. better. I started out a little shaky, but I don't want to relinquish that power. Yeah, you got to <sighs> tell him to um, get his shots on Saturday, Joel and Willowbrook. Hey, I um, I had two kids who played high school sports. Um, the, going to play at a Division three school is is really not that big a deal. Um, you could be a, a non-starter in high school and still play Division three. Mm. It's a great opportunity no, for not anymore. I don't think play after high school. Not no, you, I know this. I had a daughter who just went through it. Well, not not good division one year three. of a sport. You know, not yeah, good. Yeah, there's, there's options. All right, well, Joel, whose um, game should I well, go well, to? Well, so what? So what? You're still, I mean, there's, opinion, there's still, there's still things on the line. I mean, you know, I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to Peyton, or I'm sorry, Eli, well, to wind up as a, a cautionary tale on last chance you, you know? Well, 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 but my, my, I agree with going to the basketball game, having a son who played at Bennett, um, oh. when he played that last game, it was, it was really, and he lost in the playoffs. Oh. It was like running into a wall. Uh, so you don't want to miss that. Thanks for the call, uh, Joel. Yeah. Well, we better beat Mather. But we, we might not. I mean. Well, that's why they play the games. I understand. I think, you know, just. You know, but what chan- if they stay and then they lose? I'm like, oh, I should have gone to your brother's game. Just tell him, <laughs> tell him to channel his inner Jimmy Chitwood. Uh-huh. Scott and Woodstock here on Chicago's Morning Answer. Yeah, good morning, everybody. Uh, Amy, it's 100% basketball. And then you whisper in his ear, shooters shoot to get hot and shooters shoot to stay hot. You need more points, kid. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for the call, okay. Scott. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely has to put up big numbers, even in a – I mean, it's, he's got to play his game. Effort. You know, I mean, actually, you know, if he can get to Deerfield – Yes. John Shire's alma mater, and then he has another big game, even in a losing effort. Maybe John Shire, who's now the coach at Duke, he replaced Coach he K, will take a look at him. He went to Glumbrook North. No, isn't he Deerfield? No, he went to Glumbrook North. I know he went. To, I know his aunt. His aunt teaches aerobics at Elk Grove Pavilion. Didn't John Shire? John, no, he, didn't? he went to Glumbrook North. We had a tournament there. His picture's on the wall. Huh. Sorry. Is he oh, wearing, a, what? Is he wearing a Deer? Is he wearing a Deerfield uniform in that picture in Glumbrook North? No, no. I, I'm, I'm. Is he from Deerfield? No. Why am I associating John Shire with Deerfield? Glenbrook yeah. North. No, I know. All right. it's the North. Google machine uh, agrees with Amy. All right. <laughs> I saw his picture on the wall. Not that crazy. All right. Well, anyway, it's close enough. At least you get to the suburbs. Nobody will ever see him play in the city. <laughs> so maybe he'll take a, he'll, he'll pay attention. 
I don't know. As a father of four, I've had to make these choices. Right. It's often. the worst. And 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 you end up usually making the one that tugs at you most emotionally. But sometimes you I have to make the really tough choice. Make this choice. And that's saying to your son, I've watched you all year long. You're with your team. You're with your, your folks that have supported you. You've got a good coach. You've got a good infrastructure. I'm going this way. I'm going to watch on my phone because somebody is going to provide video of oh, that. Oh, this Amundsen's very good at providing. You watch, watch it, it. You watch it on your phone so you don't miss it, and you go to the volleyball game. Yeah, you know, uh, Mike and Hammond ha- has a good point to make, so I'm going to let him make it. Uh, maybe we're starting from a false premise. Mike, thanks for joining us. Yeah, completely false premise, guys. I had two sons just graduated from Ball State. One played club basketball. We went there one time. My wife cried the whole time afterwards. She doesn't want to hang out with you, Amy. Just, just go to the high school game. Let your college son have his fun. You know what, though? It's it's funny that you said that because I talked to him yesterday. He said, Mom, I just want you to know Friday night I can't see you. Because, exactly. Because <laughs> he's got this, frat, this alpha fee thing going on or whatever. And he said, I can see you Saturday. Absolutely. You can pick me up. And then I said, what about Saturday night? And he said, we'll see. Yeah, that's that's no, that's a no. Welcome to college. We'll see as a no. Thanks for the call, Mike. That's the whole that right. The premise we're starting from is that both sons want you to attend their games, and maybe that's not the case for either. (laughs) This is like spending more time with your family. This is like spending more time with your family. Right? Maybe you're the jinx. Maybe you're the one who needs to step aside so they can be Mather. No, I'm not a jinx. Does he play better or worse, uh, uh, Eli, when you're there? He plays. It's he plays the same. I've been there the whole time. Let's I've, go I've been to every single yeah. Yeah. away game, every single home game. I've not missed one minute of one game. Maybe I'm you've there been... early. I watch the JV team, and then I watch varsity. That's what maybe a basketball nerd maybe, I am. Maybe you've been a bit of an anchor, and uh, if you weren't there, he would have a breakout game. We won't know unless you don't go. <laughs> He's had breakout games while I've been there. The highest he scored was 25 points a game or something. He's going to need more than that. Uh, mommy's going to get a scholarship. <laughs> uh, Nick and Lyle, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Yeah, good morning. She's got a, Mike's right, Dan's wrong. Got to go to the volleyball game. I mean, Thank which you, of the sir. two? which of mm-hmm. the two would you feel worse about missing? Uh, You've been to a lot of the basketball games, and you love it, and, and that's great. But this is your one chance to see your other son play the volleyball, an important volleyball game got to go to that one but also he's got three more years of volleyball hopefully yeah right here's here's a very good tech peyton has already moved out of the nest amy eli is still at home stick with eli only a short time left with his high school sports career and there's nothing better than high school sports and when he's still at home with mom all right well you've heard input from uh parenting experts like myself (laughs) and mike scott and uh our callers as well so what's it going to be i i mean i don't know you got to. Uh, we want a no, decision. No, no, no. We can't, we can't end this segment without sleep. a decision. No, I can. I'm exercise that right to review oh, the situation yeah. oh. further. Oh, but the Make segment, some phone calls. The segment. Come on, right. yeah. All right. The right now, I'm leaning toward. Eli. All right. It's going to be Eli. <laughs> I've I've decided. I broke the tie. I've I've I've, I've un. I've cut the Gordian knot, Mike. I, might, I had to do thank it. Thank you, Solomon. Flip your coin. Yes. Before you see it on TV, share it on Facebook or read about it in the paper. Hear it here first. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560. The Answer. Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank.
Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender.